Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What a weekend, huh? Bad weekend for BYU. Worst weekend for the Jazz. Great weekend for Utah State. Blake Anderson and the Aggies beat Oregon State 24-13. They give up a real quick drive right out of the gate. Three plays, 71 yards. They're down 7-0. Uh-oh! And then they just dominate the game from there. Hey, you got to go with the third-string quarterback, Cooper Legault. Well, who cares? Make big plays. Play great defense. Win the game. That's what they did. Down 7-0. They end up winning 24-13. And now they're 11-3. Mountain West Conference champs. They win their bowl game. Here is Blake Anderson after the game. Coach, uh, Oregon State only needed three plays and 58 seconds to score a touchdown. They never sniffed the end zone again the rest of the game. This defense was just lights out. Yeah, they were, man. Just uh, that first drive took us a little bit to get going, and I thought they had a really good scripted drive and hit on all three plays basically perfectly. Made a couple adjustments. I think guys just kind of woke up. Maybe they're looking up at the jumbotron. I don't know. I was kind of doing the same, so once we got past that first series, right, we played as good as we played all year defensively. Uh, and and it, that's what we knew it was going to take, too. We, we knew those guys had to play well and keep the score down because they've, they've scored points against everybody. Hey, Coach, uh, you get the news on, on Logan, and you go to Cooper on the sideline as you start the second quarter. I'm curious what you said to him because his first pass attempt as an Aggie goes 62 yards for a touchdown. How about that? Well, well, that's Coop Lagos for you right there. Now, that's just that's just who he is. Um, he actually checked to the play. The look was uh, a loaded box, which you kind of expect when you put a backup quarterback out on the field. And uh, not only was the backup, he was the backup to the backup. So uh, I, I was really proud. He checked to the right play without any hesitation, and he calmly just did his job. And, and I think, like anybody, maybe a couple plays he'd like to have back, but for the most part, he played flawlessly and, and checked to the right plays and really stayed calm. you got to be beyond proud of that dude and, and waiting his opportunity and playing great at the, at the biggest time. I thought uh, uh, Anthony Tucker was masterful in his play calling, adjusting to what Cooper did well and really playing to his strengths too. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we had to, we, And we didn't have to change the game plan a whole lot. I think he just stayed within what Cooper was comfortable with and and, and, and really, Cooper did a really good job of just kind of distributing the ball. We, we felt like our matchups on the outside were the biggest, uh, you know, just mismatch on the field. We ran the ball better at times, really critical times, than we maybe thought we might be able to. But his ability just to kind of stay poised, even move the chains with his feet a couple times and, and make a couple big, big throws in, in key situations, um, that's hard to say enough about a dude that can do that in that situation. Hey, Coach, I'm curious what it says about you and your staff that uh, that has that belief in a Cooper or in you know any of your guys that have been able to come in and step in when it's next man up mentality. What does it say about you and your staff that, that keeps these kids resilient, playing for each other, and then you see the joy and the redemption here at the end of this game? Yeah, you, you just watch. If you watch the sideline, and those guys are so fired up for him. Uh, it just it lifted the whole – honestly, it lifted the whole sideline. It just gave us some energy to – to get the job done today they, they care about each other they they sacrifice for each other i mean selfless tough and accountable is what we live and die on and you see it you see it play out on the field i don't know that we were the most talented today but we, we we got the job done i don't know if we were two weeks ago but we got the job done because these guys will not quit on each other they absolutely love going to battle with each other and uh i don't know man they're 11 and three and two power five ones in a championship how about that yeah. uh 
Oregon State, one of the best teams in the country in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. We talked in the pregame, your red zone defense had gotten better throughout the season, but just added on to it today. I mean, Oregon State got some yards, but once they got inside the 20, I mean, it was lights out. Yeah, no doubt. And, and we talk all the time, yards don't matter. It's, man, making people kick the ball, and our yep. defense has gotten better and better at that all season long. Here down the stretch, when you had to have it, they made big plays. So, I mean, Coach Ben and that crew, uh, Ben don't break, and, and that's the nature of what it takes with our style of offense and the way we play defense. Uh, they're, they're doing that at, a, at an amazing rate. Won the game for us today doing it. Hey, Coach, I know we're going to have some time to reflect a little bit later on, but uh, just an, an immediate reaction for you in terms of the, the, the season in general for you, how enjoyable this has been. Dude, I'm not sure it's even set in. It's been a blast. Uh, yeah. I, I told you guys we talked. I've been through a lot for a few years and kind of lost the joy of the game to some degree just because I was carrying so much uh, baggage on my shoulders. And this has just been a healing process. I absolutely love what I do, love this group of guys, and have just – it's been such a joy to watch them grow and, and, and build their confidence and pull together and overcome. Um, I'm so blessed guys give me the opportunity to be where I'm at with this group this particular season and told them before we came out, man, you want to finish in the top 25, you're going to have the best season in school history, man, go out and, and do the work, and that's exactly what they did. So could not be more exciting. Oregon State had only given up 10 sacks on the season. Nick Henniger got three. Team got four. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, can you clone 42? Is there a way to, to <laughs> Ooh, squeeze an extra year of eligibility? Uh, man, if you looked at how old he looks, I don't think we can get that done. Dude's got less hair than I do. Uh, we're going to miss him. There's no doubt. And when you consider him being one of those guys that could have left after last season, that, uh, you know, things did not go well. And he bought in and, and, and was voted a team captain last week by his peers. Tells you everything you need to know. That guy right there has been uh, a huge, huge catalyst to this season and, and just the culture in general. Love him gonna miss him it's gonna be hard to get those snaps back too man that's a lot that's a big shoes to fill yeah no doubt coach and uh, you know a couple of big plays uh, uh, Cooper with the touchdown throw to uh, to Brandon Bowling obviously was a big play that culminated at I thought maybe one of the best series of play calling from Anthony Tucker we've seen all season long the throwback from Derek Wright the you know the, the play to DT and then the touchdown throw I mean the kid just came in and, and he dealt it he was amazing no doubt, no doubt. Great, great game plan going in. It wouldn't have probably changed a whole lot, depending on you know whether whether it was uh, Bonner or Coop. We, we would have dialed those plays up, but for Coop to come in and execute them, and the other guys really all O line did a great job of protecting yeah. the quarterback and give us an opportunity to push the ball down the field. So, man, so many great things happen. Uh, it's just you don't see a third string quarterback going and do what that guy did in, in that environment very often. So that's one. Uh, Cooper Lagasse, the legend. I don't know. That's, that's one that, that lives on. There's Blake Anderson putting a cap on an excellent season for Utah State. What a first year for Blake Anderson. All right, when we come back, we'll hear from Kalani Sataki. The Cougars disappointed after the loss to UAB. It's still a 10-win season. There will be no top 10 ranking. They should still be ranked, but uh, disappointing loss. We will hear from Kalani next. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Well, BYU gets beat by UAB. The Blazers get the victory in the rain in Shreveport. Here is Kalani Sataki after the loss. 
game did not go as uh, as we wanted, but a lot of credit to UAB. Uh, fantastic game. I, I know that uh, didn't work in our favor, but uh, you have to be excited as a as a football fan to see a game that comes down to the wire like that and and a physical game that went back and forth. I give a lot of credit to UAB for making plays. Um, just made a couple plays more than we did. Um, I, I felt like uh, you know, and, and and not to take away from them, but uh, I know we can play a lot better. And that's my job as a head coach to make sure our team is um, better prepared. But I don't want to just say that because I think UAB played a fantastic game, had a great game plan. And uh, I've said it before, Bill Clark's a great coach. And so the uh, uh, credit to those guys for getting this win. It's, it's a, it was a tough game for us, but we're going to learn from this. We're going to get better. Uh, obviously, we have some guys that, that aren't going to be here <laughs> uh, for next year, but for those guys that are coming back, we talked about in the, in the locker room that it's a chance for us to get better and to keep improving. Uh, still a fantastic season. Uh, it, just, it just hurts because of this game. And I said it before, I told the team that it was gonna, today was going to hurt anyways because we have to say goodbye to some people. It just hurts even more when you lose. It's a lot easier to say goodbye when you win. But uh, great experience for us throughout the season. And I think the uh, I still want to show appreciation to the people here in Shreveport have been amazing to us. Uh, and and the, even though the game didn't go our way, we really had a great time here. Enjoy, enjoy the hospitality and enjoy getting to know uh, players and, and coaches on the UAB side. So um, we'll get better from this. We'll learn and we'll keep growing. But uh, yeah, I'll just leave it, leave it that. An excellent game just didn't go our way. But we'll, we'll get better. I promise you that. What was the thing that you say you learned from this? Yeah, I felt like this entire season. This entire season, though, we uh, not that we could. Um, and and when you're looking at who we played, it was difficult because we weren't. I, I don't know if we ever put together 60 great minutes together as a team. And that's my job as a head coach. So, but in this game, I, and yet, and I, I give a lot of credit to the opponents that we played. Um, and, and we had a lot of young guys step up and make plays. We had to work with some depth. But uh, when you say stuff like that, I feel like it diminishes the other team's uh, efforts and their, 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 their style of play and their game plan. So I, I don't want to do that. As a, as a, for me, evaluating our team and our program, I have to find ways to get better. And that, that starts with me as the head coach. And then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. But uh, excellent game plan from, from uh, what we saw on, on all three phases from UAB. And, um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of ways to – once the season's done, I have to evaluate everything and find ways to get better as a program. And uh, we did that last year. We just did it with a win in the bowl game. This year we got a loss. And so hopefully it'll, it'll get our guys hungry. That, that'll be the key for us. Ronnie, what was the problems defensively? Stopping the run and then gave up a couple wide open touchdown passes as well. Yeah, uh, breakdowns. And, and like I said, that's that's on, uh, you know, if you're looking at, I thought they did some stuff to scheme our pressures. Uh, we pressured quite a bit at, at the beginning of the game, um, just trying to stop the run, trying to put more bodies in the box. And uh, they took advantage of it, you know, and we, we had a couple missed tackles. Uh, they have an excellent back too that, that, that broke a big one. And so I think the first part, we gave up big plays. Um, one was a big run, and the, the other one was um, that pass, obviously. So we, I don't know if it, if it was much of a uh, – when we pressure like that, we had to get to the quarterback. They protected really well on that play, and, and uh, I, I think that's the, the touchdown pass you're talking about. And so you, you – uh, you know, you're, you're, you're sacrificing uh, a few things in, in men and coverage, and you're trying to get to the quarterback, and we didn't, we didn't do that well enough. So, um, but that's, that's coaches. we we got to get that done.
<clears throat> yeah. No, no. It just, it's just uh, we didn't have enough time for, it, for him to recover. And, and when you were looking at it, I, we felt like uh, Baylor's had some great um, moments in practice and, and, and great prep. And so we felt like that was the best bet for us going forward. Um, you know, we, we, we had him practicing a little bit here and there. But overall, we felt like a, a healthy Baylor was better than a um, banged up Jaron. They said they reviewed it. They were reviewing it during that time, and they said that he possessed it and fumbled it. And no one feels worse than Samson right now, but we love that kid. You know, he's a big part of our, our program. He's a big part of our family. So we, uh, we forgive him. It's okay. The, the game is um, full of a lot of little plays like that, and it didn't come down to that one play. But there's a lot of little plays that happen, and um, there's a lot of guys in that locker room that are feeling bad, but they're going to have to pick themselves up and, and, and uh, get better. And, and unfortunately for some of the guys like Samson, the, 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 the college um, career ends now. So, But he, he's a strong kid. He'll, he'll get better from it, and he'll learn, and he'll have an opportunity to play next level. Well, Ani, you're going to get, and you've gotten this big event to 2027 with hitting BYU. What does that mean to you? And I, I think Oregon was reaching out to you. Is that right? Well, I, I just love being around these guys. I, I talked about it. Like These guys mean a lot to me. So, yeah, I love being around our players, our locker room. Um, and right now they're hurting, so it's okay. Uh, my job is to rally them back and let's get better from it and, and wish the guys that, that are moving on to the NFL uh, you know, good luck and that they'll always be part of this family still. Tyler, on the plus side, how's it feel to be the record holder and have such a great season? Yeah, it's an honor. It's an honor to be on, be a part of this team, be a part of this offense. So, yeah, it's just, just an honor. What did you say to Samson after? What, what was the team message to him? Because that's a tough break. Everybody dreads that type of moment where you, you know, have a costly fumble or return or yeah, it's just it's just part of the game. You know, we live we live to play this game. You know, football is just so fun. Just so we just love it so much. That, you know, and everything like you can never you can never expect anything or expect the unexpected. I guess it's just unfortunate unfortunate event for him. Unfortunate event for him. But he has a team. He has a team. He has a family that loves him so much. So you know, it's just you know you live and you learn. You know, I had a fumble earlier this earlier this year, so you know, you live and you learn from that, and everyone just had my back, so. Coach, uh, you knew the weather is going to be a big running game, and you're the two running backs that are on the field with BYU and your running back as well. What did you see out of the way to drive that really impressed you? Yeah, great back. I mean, we, we saw it on film all, all season, so uh, we watch all, all, all the film, and uh, I think sometimes a lot of the attention goes to the back, but you, you look at the way the O-line tight ends block, did a great job, you know, so the uh, we knew it was going to be tough sledding and, and we knew we'd have to stop them. And that's hard. That's hard to do when, when you have a guy that has great vision and, and can um, lower his pads, his big body, too. So, uh, he, you know, as a team, they made more plays than us, got the win. But I felt I felt like um, we have a good back, too. You know, we just didn't want it to be so back and forth because it comes down to these close games like this. And uh, we didn't do enough to, to gain the win. But man. The, you look at the uh, things that were done on the field, and, and you have to give them a lot of credit for. Uh, McBride's a really good running back, you know, and, and, and they uh, together as a team. It was it was a the way it was going. It's just kind of like who gets the ball last and who makes the least uh, amount of mistakes when it comes down to it. Tyler, 
Um, what would you say is the takeaway for the defense as a whole, not just in this game, but in this season? Uh, we have a lot of talent. We have a lot of guys uh, that can make plays. Uh, I think overall, um, looking towards next year is just cleaning up, cleaning up the little things. Uh, that's really what tonight came down to. Um, was just everybody doing their job. So. Yeah, he just works hard. And, and he loves football, and uh, really proud of him and things that he's accomplished. Uh, he's a team guy, so he spent a, a entire season playing linebacker too. So this, this guy is a team guy, doesn't doesn't hesitate. And when we when he first showed up to our team, uh, if he wasn't on special teams, he's, you can find him on scout team helping out. So uh, the guy loves football. Um, he has tons of football ahead of him. Uh, who knows what jersey he's going to be wearing? He's got some decisions to make, but he knows we love him, you know, and, and we appreciate him. And, and uh, he's got a bright future, so we'll just see what happens from there. Well, honey, you said you hadn't put together the full four, four quarters all year, especially in the last month. It seemed like you kind of hit a wall. Is that attributed to injuries or what, what happened? I think that's part of it. I, I don't know if you can like put it on one thing, but when you're having a lot of different bodies in there playing, I mean, we've been down, down a lot of starters. I think everybody, if, if, if you could say that I can have the same 11 that started the season playing the bowl game on, on uh, both sides of the ball on offense and defense, then we're in a pretty good spot. But that's the game. I mean, everybody's got to play with, with um, it's a violent physical game, so you're going to have guys banged up and you're going to have to rely on your depth. We knew this going into the into this, the season that we'd have to rely on our depth. And we knew that going into six years ago that we had to in, improve our depth. And our depth was really good. Um, just not good enough, you know. But these guys, a lot of these guys come back. We, we have a lot of guys returning. And um, now, now the, the focus, you know, returns on, on us as a coaching staff, getting our guys ready to, to be more experienced, but also to keep our depth rolling and then see what happens in the 22 season. Honey, is this loss If we choose it to, the momentum is caused by us. We, we, we keep the momentum rolling. And that's my choice as a head coach, and that's with the rest of the guys. And um, this, this is a step backwards. I get it, right? Nobody likes to, to lose. But we're going to learn. I promise you we'll learn from this, and we'll be a better team because of it. And, and um, you know, that's, that's the, the momentum. It all depends on how we approach it. We, we're, we have a lot of guys coming back and a lot of uh, really good talent, uh, new talent coming to our program too. So um, this today just didn't work out well for us. It's okay. We we, we lost the game, but uh, uh, it'd be worse if we lost the game and we don't learn from it. So I I, I make I made a commitment to this team that we'll find ways to get better and learn from that. And and they've made that commitment the entire season. So I, I don't see it changing or, or I don't see the momentum shifting much. Coach, Jared, uh, Kalai mentioned you have some tough decisions ahead. What's maybe the timeline for when you plan to decide your, your future at BYU? Mm, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Pro probably, most likely. Actually, I'll, I'll keep you guys guessing. So we'll see what happens. He's <laughs> pretty emotional right now, so it's okay. <laughs> He'll make the right decision. For the players, 
No, just one for Coach. Uh, your experience here, you said this was really good. Uh, I know it's the first time you have been in Shreveport. What are you going to take back with you? Yeah, the people are amazing. And a lot of the community works hard to, to to do this bowl game the right way, and we really appreciate that. That that I hope, I hope they know how much we we love being here with them. And uh, I think, I mean, this bowl's been running for a long time, and it's because of the community and the hard work that they put into it. And it's an honor for us to be in this game. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it goes into the conditioning and then the off-season conditioning, all that stuff. But the game of football is, is, is violent, it's physical. So, uh, you know, we can always improve in a lot of different areas. But I, I think the best way for us to improve is just to make sure that, um, you know, second, third stringers are ready to roll and that, that, that they have this mindset about them to, you know, to study the game, find a way to perfect their craft and, and really master their position. And that's, uh, it comes down to them doing it, but it also comes down to, to me and, and the other coaches, putting them in that position and giving them the autonomy to, to find ways to improve. I, I think we have a really good team as far as the intrinsic motivation. They find ways to motivate themselves. And I've seen a lot of guys really step up and make big plays and, and make, make uh, such huge improvements throughout the year. And I imagine that's gonna continue and then we'll see what what kind of team we have in the 22 season. But I feel really good about our program. Tyler, can I get your player perspective? Because the defense did have to go through a lot of different rotations. You guys do that naturally. Had to deal with that again today. What's that been like as a player on the defense as you've had to deal with the different elements that have come through the defensive side? Uh, it's been a little bit, a little bit tricky. Uh, but but it's been been good as, as coach said. I've had a lot of guys step up and, and fill roles and make plays, which has been awesome. And I think that's one thing that we're just going to keep um, working towards is is just making sure that whoever's on the field is ready. You know what I mean? And, and ready to make plays and ready to do their job. And and uh, although yeah, it has been hard. Um, I I love all the guys that we've, we've that we've had the opportunity to play with um, this season. So. There the Cougars after the loss. They ran the ball. Tyler Algier, school record, 1,601 yards rushing. Breaks the record that belonged to Luke Staley for about 20 years. But in the end, it is not enough because BYU can't stop the run. And key turnover there at the end of the game. All right, we'll have more on that game coming up. But next, it was hard for BYU because they lost once. The Jazz lost twice. I mean, it's basketball. You play more games. But back-to-back, at home, the Spurs and the Wizards. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz. What a bad weekend. The Spurs get them Friday. The Wizards beat them Saturday. The Jazz are 10-6 and six at home. That is not good enough. And it hasn't exactly been murder's row at home. Nonetheless. All right, let's get to the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz fall two consecutive home losses over the weekend to the Spurs on Friday and then on Saturday night lose to the Washington Wizards 109-103. to Jazz had kind of a clunky performance, although they were led by Donovan Mitchell with 32 points. Uh, Bogdanovich had 18. Rudy with 11, 19, and 6 block shots. Jordan Clarkson had 12 coming in off the bench. 
bench, but for the Wizards, Bradley Beal with a great game, 37 points on 13 of 24 shooting. Former Jazz man Howell Neto with a great night, 15 points on 6 of 12 shooting, 7 boards, 4 assists, and made some big plays uh, for the Wizards down the stretch to get the victory. Let's get to some post-game sound. Let's start off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Jazz kind of just never really got up tonight. Yeah, I think... We didn't think we had the same I'm gonna talk with this. I don't think we had the same, um, the same juice, you know, sometimes um, making shots can kind of create that for you, but you know, you have to really be able to, to generate that. Um, got a lot of back-to-backs during the year. We've had back-to-backs where we've had, you know, as recently as I think Minnesota, Philadelphia. So I don't, you know, to whatever extent there's fatigue, there's fatigue involved you know, all the time. So, um, you know, we haven't, we didn't play, you know, we talked about it last night and I said, there's, there wasn't identifiable things. I think, you know, again, tonight, there's some things we'll watch the tape. And it's always, I hate to kind of jump to conclusions until I see that. Um, but, you know, I think we all could feel it. Um, uh, some execution situations that, um, you know, could be better on both ends of the floor. And, um, you know, this is the same team that won eight in a row. Um, you know, the sky isn't falling, but I think it's, you know, it's also important to, to look at, you know, how we played and, and, and see what that is and, and own it and address it, um, whatever those things may be, no matter how small or, or how big. That you know, I think everybody's got different thoughts about that. We're all different individuals, and but I think there's collectively, you know, I think there's probably a lot of uh, of agreement on, on some of those things. Had a great night and kind of got into the paint probably more than you wanted. And obviously he's, he's a talented player. But what did you see on, on your guys' defense against him? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things that he's a it's a difficult cover on the perimeter with pick and roll or even with you know screening actions. You know, do you go over or under? Because you know you go over and he's turning the corner and you're in a you know, a late black or late switching position. Um, you go under, he might shoot it, but he's also inclined to, you know, flip the screen and again, try to get into the paint. I think one of the things that even when you switch, he's so good at planting and he's able to create separation uh, in the lane, which, which makes it harder. It's almost if, if he were just to go to the rim, which, you know, he also did a few times where he's finishing on the si- other side of the rim, but um that that's a situation where, you know, you, you're not going to be perfect, but to the extent that you're connected, there's, there's multiple guys involved in the plays and, you know, if there's a miscommunication or a breakdown in one situation, as you saw, you know, he, he can make you pay for that. And, and he did, but I, I think his ability to kind of get to the dots and even jump back and get a shot off is, is unique. Going to be nice for every year, especially in back-to-backs where you know, Mike is getting a night off. Uh, it seemed like the ball movement, however, was kind of wanting without him tonight. Is that the case? Yeah, I think I think in general, you know, there's 
the game, the games Mike plays, you know, he's, there's 18 or 20 minutes where he's not in the game. Um, you know, so that's something that I, I think, you know, we talk about a lot, as you guys know, we, we talk about it a lot in here, you know, and, and the importance of, you know, again, I, I'd kind of point to quick decisions um, as much as ball movement, but, you know, oftentimes that quick decision could be, you know, a quick pass. Um, you know, I thought, you know, finding a balance between using ball movement and running, you know, to create opportunities versus, you know, attacking and, and getting in the paint to create, um, whether it be for yourself or for a kick out or for the rim, um, you know, collectively, I think that's something that we weren't as in sync as we can be. And that's, you know, that's, that's the group, you know, whether it's, you know, someone not spacing someone, you know, maybe there's a, a pass you can give up earlier. Um, it's easy to, to, to sit here. That's why I said about the tape and try to say, well, someone should do this or should do that or whatever. But I, I think our team, as we've seen, it's not something that we're adverse to doing. It's just something that, you know, the, the middle of the game when Harold was in the game, they started switching pick and roll. And, you know, that usually has an impact on our ball movement. I didn't think it did as much tonight, to be honest with you. I, I didn't think that I thought we handled the switching pretty well. Um, you know, I get back to the running. That's the, you know, our bigs running to create space. Um, I thought, you know, we want to play pick and roll, but we don't want to play pick and roll every possession. And when we are just playing pick and roll, you know, and the ball is not moving until the pick and roll occurs. So, you know, if we're generating good stuff off the pick and roll, that's what we want to do. But um, we also want to use it to create and we want to have balance. And tonight, five seconds, or I guess five points down, 11 seconds left. Donovan kind of throws up a prayer last night. It was kind of a prayer situation too at the end. Curious kind of, as you watch the late game plays this year that have ended in kind of those really tough shots for Donovan, what are you noticing that's maybe not working out? Well, I, I think you know, first there's a level of realism in those situations that, that we're aware of that, that said, you know, the, the way to maximize what might be a low percentage is, is to be really precise in your execution. And, you know, last night, you know, we had Rudy on a slip, but it's a little bit late, you know, they switched. So some of those things, you know, us being able to recognize how we're being defended uh, and adjust to that. And then tonight, you know, things that we've, you know, worked on in practice, there just has to be, you know, more precision and more attention to detail in those situations. You, you still may not, you know, get a great shot, but you, you want to get a shot that that's better than the ones that we've got, you know, ironically, JC probably got a good look late, but, you know, at that point, you know, it was what a six point game. So, um, you know, that's again, something that, um, we place a lot of emphasis on and, and I think needs to be better. We've been hot and cold with that. There's been some times where we've executed really well. And then there's been also situations that, you know, we'll watch again on film. And, uh, but that, that has to do with, you know, I think our connected connectivity and, uh, you know, and, and, and reading what's going on on the court and, and how they're playing us. You know, address you know some of the defensive issues at the point of attack just over the last two nights. 
Um, I think tonight was more, you know, pick and roll situations. Um, a lot of times we've, you know, people use small, small to try to create what they perceive to be a mismatch. And, you know, I know our guys, it's something again, that a lot of these things are things that we've, we've emphasized, talked about. I know our guys feel important and you know, that's where, you know, this, every win, it's hard to win in this league. And if you're not as dialed in or focused um, on a given possession, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to pay for it. And, you know, I think part of it is, you know, is it 60% of the time? Is it 70% of the time? Cause we've had possessions where we've, you know, I look back to the, you know, the Cleveland possession where Mike just leveled off Garland and moved his feet. We didn't, you know, we didn't allow him to get into us. And then, you know, the other night they were going through us a little bit when, even when we were in position. So, um, that's something our guys are, are conscious of. Um, we're going to have people that try to attack us um, and something we need to continue to, to, I think, to place emphasis on and focus on. There's Coach Schneider after his team lost 109-103 to the Washington Wizards. Let's now get to the players. Let's uh, hear from Joe Ingles. Being able to, you know, obviously, talented player, but That's a way to, way to put it up. One, one crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, like you said, he's a hell of a player and um, you do try and do multiple things. You're not going to show a player like that the same look all night. Um, Obviously, I think early on, especially 10 of his 12 or whatever it was, eight of his 12 were free throws. Um, He was missing some shots early, but obviously getting to the free throw line. um, I think for a guy like that, a player of his level, you you see it going a couple of times and, and obviously makes it a little bit easier on um, when you do get some, some more looks. Uh, um, yeah. It's a, obviously a collective group. It's not on, on one person or, or, or anything. We just gotta be, we gotta be better as a team, make it tough for him and get out of his hands. He obviously shot a reasonably high, pretty high percentage. Um, so we just, yeah, as a group, we've got to do better. It's, um, Obviously, if we can can limit him and slow him down, it, it probably helps us in the in the long run of that game. Wondering after after the game tonight, did you do you feel like at any point you guys kind of rose to the level that you needed to? Um, kind of yes and no. I think we had we have we uh, all the time. I think we have really good stretches um, or good stretches, um, and sometimes we. Obviously, obviously, we have we have bad stretches too. Um, obviously, you want to expand those good ones as long as you can, and and cut the bad the the bad or the the, the whatever it is, turnovers, offensive rebounds. Um, I think for us, obviously, focusing is being a defensive team, focusing on the defensive end. I think our offense is is usually pretty good. Um, we get look, we get good looks. Um, obviously, if we're not making shots, sometimes that kind of affects us. But uh, at the end of the day, um, we should be relying on on our defense. Um, that's what we kind of hang our hat on. That's what we always have, I think, really. Um, especially since since I've been here, since Quinn took over. Um, yeah, it's obviously frustrating to to lose two in a row and. Um, close one last night and then uh, I think we started off we, we kind of brought the the right energy and we we were um, kind of 
I don't even know what the right words are. Playing the right way. We, we were on the front foot. We were aggressive. Um, and then there's just like the, those little things, free throws, a couple offensive rebounds. We missed some shots. Um, so we, we got to go watch it. We'll obviously look at it and uh, got no idea who we play, whoever we're playing next. Get ready for, for the next one. Charlotte. So Quinn said that you guys didn't have what up with the juice tonight. Just I think just talking about tired legs and whatnot. Um, how do you kind of find that energy on a back as a second game of a back to back, especially? Usually not too hard at home. I think it's always tougher on the road, especially um, with the way our fans uh, turn out. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it, uh, I'm back to back. Obviously, everyone, uh, there's no excuses. Everyone's tired. It's the NBA. Everyone's going through back-to-backs or three and four nights or whatever it is, whatever the schedule looks like. Um, obviously, it's on us to, to play the right way and get that energy from within our group. Uh, I think getting stops, pushing the ball, um, obviously finishing on the other end, Rudy's dunks, threes, whatever our offense looks like. But um, finding it, and I think when we play – the right way and we get those shots and, and get stops and really gets a block. The crowd gets into it. And like I said, obviously at, at home, that's a lot easier with 20,000 people here. So, um, yeah, it was, it was frustrating. Obviously, um, every loss is frustrating in some way, but we'll, uh, we'll go back and like I said, we'll, we'll go watch them. We'll, we'll come back better on Monday, Charlotte. Seventeen assists for sixteen turnovers tonight. Was the ball movement where you wanted to be, or, or where could it have been? Um, I don't know how many turnovers uh, assists we usually have. Is that low for us? Um, yeah. So yes, then. <laughs> um, uh, I think yeah. It's obviously everyone's. Like you can look at it, obviously, if we're making shots, we probably have a few more assists or we make a couple more shots, whatever it looks like. Um, obviously, everybody knows when we move the ball the way we, we do and we get downhill and make plays for each other, we're, we're pretty elite in those those situations. Um, obviously, all, all our guys and everyone that's out there at certain times is trying to play the right way, do the right thing, obviously be aggressive. Um it's hard, yeah, obviously, yeah, and the turnovers, uh, I've said it a million times, I think the way we play, we move the ball, we do try and make extra pass, we're going to have some turnovers. Obviously, the the bad ones are the ones that you want to limit, the ones that gives them get out on the break and, and stuff like that. Um, but obviously, we, we're going to live with some of them. Um, and the assists are obviously hard to to judge sometimes, obviously, because we do – we do try and move the ball. I think guys, guys' minds are in the right space in terms of, of playing with each other and, and helping each other and trying to get each other the best shot possible and our team the best shot possible every time down the floor. In general, after a lot, I mean, I'm sure some losses are different than others, but yeah. in the locker room, kind of what's the situation after a loss? Like, Quinn coming in, said some things. Do you guys talk? Like, what's those first few minutes? Quinn always comes in and he always talks. Um, win or lose. Um, yeah, it's different. I, I think tonight, everyone was a little bit flat tonight. I think obviously back-to-back losses at, at home. Um, we'd been playing at a, at a pretty high level for whatever the, the stretch was. Um, I think also, obviously, you go we go away and, and get some rest tomorrow. And we're, we're still the same team that won eight in a row. This one, I don't know what our record is whatever it is, we've, we've still played well this year. Um, 
would we have liked to have win these two, like obviously, or one of the two or whatever. Um, obviously that's the, the case, but um, we are still the same team that's really good as well <laughs> most nights. Um, I think obviously, like I said, the, the back-to-back losses is frustrating for everybody. Um, it's probably like, I don't know if it's cool for you guys to write about because it's something different instead of us winning, but it's frustrating and we'll, like I said, we'll we'll go back and, and look at it and, and I have no doubt on Monday we'll, we'll come out better. What's the biggest thing or area of concern or trepidation or whatever adjective that, that you can come up from the last two nights, if there is one? Yeah. Uh, so like nothing specific. I think before that road trip, the, the transition defense drives was something that we were really trying to focus on as a team. Um, Quinn had put, put a lot of time into showing us how how bad it was really. Um, and I was seeing where we can be better Euro foul and, or, or getting back or not having it like those bad turnovers that obviously lead to teams in the break. And, um, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Um, I think the, I mean, we're going to not necessarily have a target, but guys, teams are coming in ready to, to play us and they, they scout us and they, they, they know what they want to take away. And I think we've been pretty good for a lot of the year. And, um, come out against a, a San Antonio team, you kind of, I mean, coach said it to us before the game, like they know what they're good at. And when they do that, they, they're in games. They, they beat Golden State at home doing that. They, they beat good teams. And um, obviously they, they played well. You obviously come back and try and like, like I said, we, we kind of, I think we came out the right way. We came out aggressive and, and trying to play the, the way we want to play. And um, obviously they've got some really good players over there too. Um so, yeah, I, can't, I mean, I wouldn't pinpoint one thing specifically. Obviously, turnovers to assists. Um, if you're asking that question, it's obviously something that, that we need to be better at. Um, I don't know what those numbers look like like normally. So, um, yeah, it's frustrating. It's just, I mean, at the end of the day, it's frustrating to lose two games in a row. It's losing to, frustrating to lose one game. Um, obviously, on back-to-back nights, it's it's frustrating. We'll, we'll come back and... Um, be better on Monday against Charlotte. There's Joe Ingles, who got the start for Mike Conley, who did not play on the second night of a back-to-back. Let's now hear from Rudy Gobert. What were they doing that kind of limited you guys' pick-and-roll game, and especially your role? Um, just being physical, I guess. You know, not, I mean, they, they did a great job defensively. Uh, but not, nothing very different from, you know, from what we see every night. It just, uh, yeah, they were switching a few times. They were blitzing a few times. Um, yeah, just uh, nothing really, nothing really crazy. I feel like there was more kind of isolation for you guys. Um, all movement where you thought it should be or where it needed to be? Not um, really. I think we can do much better. Yeah. Yeah, much better. Did it feel like you guys came out a little flat and then never really kind of rose up from that? Or how did how did the game feel kind of as it went on? Uh yeah, I mean some some nights, you know, uh off a of back to back, you know, and some nights we might not have uh the same energy as we're gonna have most of the time, but we gotta find ways to, to win those games and uh 
you know, like in game seven, the playoffs, like you might not have the legs, but you got to find it. You know, you got to find it together as a team. What happened defensively? I mean, both Bill and Howell actually had pretty good efficient offensive legs. Uh, who? Raul and Bill? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we, Sam, I, th I think we, yeah, we can do much better. You know, we're going to keep getting better, keep, you know, we're going to watch film, see all the things that we can do better and then uh, and try to come back better next game. You know, I think uh, it's a long season. You know, some nights, some stretch is going to be tough right now. You know, we're going through, uh, we lost two games in a row at home. Uh, just got to, you know, uh, get connected and uh, come back, you know, play play together, defend together, and uh, then we'll be all right. During that streak, you guys were really good at kind of staying connected between guard and you switching and you know kind of making sure that the shots were defended all the time. Last couple games have slipped at that, I thought. You know, so what is the happening kind of with the communication right now? I think yeah, communication, communication. Um, you know, just getting on the same page, getting connected. You know, and uh, yeah, when we switch, uh, making sure that we rebound and. Uh, like sometimes, like if the guy is going full speed, um, if I run up and you know contest the shot, there's nobody on the on the big. So um, just gotta find, you know, just gotta find it as a team. I'm gonna watch film, see all the things that we can do better. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can do better, and uh, more importantly, you know, just keep trusting each other, keep playing jazz basketball, and uh, I think we we'll be we we'll be great. Sorry, you uh, you developed such great chemistry playing with Mike over the past few years, uh, especially in those you know minus three going against second year guys. What how different is it playing on nights when Mike is out? What's Mike does everything for for the other guys on the court. You know, he try to make other guys better all the time. So so obviously it's always you know it's always a little harder for everybody when it's not out there. Uh, but it's also great because as we've seen like. You know, last year in the playoffs, it might not always be there. And, you know, it has to be who we are as a team. So, you know, uh, once again, Mike Conley is a great player. Uh, so he's, a, he's a very unselfish player. So, you know, when he's not there, we got uh, to all channel that even more as a team. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, it's always a good opportunity when it's, when it's not there for us to try to take that step, you know, and get better as a team. Kind of watching from afar. Have you seen how Wolves game develop since? Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, hopefully, we get we get back here soon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been uh, you know he's been really aggressive and and he's a really good basketball player. You know, he he can see the core and he can make the right play most of the time. So and, and he's a tough defender. You know, so. He's, is uh, it's it's been cool to see him, you know, to see he's, he's he's putting some work. So you know, it's just it's just the work paying off, and uh, it's been cool for for me to you know uh, watch him just just uh, you know be happy, uh, get some playing time, and and help a team. You know, it's great. I'm happy for him. There's Rudy, eleven points, nineteen boards, six block shots. Let's finish up the player sound with Donovan Mitchell. I got caught up the card. Because the ref was talking as he was dribbling, and then he just put it up. So I would, 
not in many jump ball situations, but I wasn't accustomed to him talking and throwing up. But, you know, got to give credit where credit is due. I'm not going to, you know, you know, he won the jump ball and beat me for game. Um, that can't happen. And um, that's going to sit with me for a while. But, you know, clearly I was not – I didn't even jump by the time he was in the air. So, um, and he said – the ref. I asked the ref what happened, and he explained that that was his whole point of it was to – keep us off guard and Raul was ready. I wasn't. You look at this game and the last one, I think when we were talking about the win streak, you're like, I'm not going to get too excited about the wins. You also not get too worried. Yeah, no, you don't get too worried about it. There's stuff, <clears throat> stuff we all can fix. Um, it got stagnant for a little bit, you know, they they hit some shots. We missed some shots, and, you know, then you get to a game where we're playing it late, and, you know, you get down to the wire, and they're a good team, you know. They haven't – the record doesn't reflect how good they are, and I think, you know, we, we, we had two tough losses. And, you know, can, you can you can go down the – you can go left and be like, oh, man, the world's coming to an end, or you can get back in the lab and, and get ready for Monday, and that's what we'll do. Um, too much to go Oh, yeah, I think, you know, they didn't switch last time we played them. So that kind of, we haven't played against a switch like that. I mean, yesterday we did, but, you know, not to the level they did it. They did a pretty good job of it, but we just made it tougher on ourselves as far as the, the switch. Like you said, we got to isolation, we got stagnant a little bit, but then, you know, we started to figure it out, keep it moving and, you know, but, you know, those possessions definitely hurt, you know, when the shots don't go in. But, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll fix this. We'll get back to what we do. And it's a bump in the road, and we'll, we'll be back. Two nights in a row, you've had some pretty tough looks at the end of games. Um, what could be better on those executions? Um, I mean, last night I explained already that tonight um, I have to look at it again. You know, I feel like I was played a certain way, so I kind of rejected it and came off and they put him on me for a reason because he's taller and longer you know he's he has length um if that was anybody else i'd probably get that shot off instead of double pumping um but you know i gotta we just, I, I quinn's drawn up excellent plays and they've drawn up plays and you know to they've um <clears throat> excuse me they've guarded it really well you know they've guarded it in ways that we'll go back at and fix and you know um that's it. I think we just got to go back to the drawing board myself. Um, not so much with Quinn, just being able to execute it myself because I kind of broke that one off, and I'll take that um, personally on my own. But we'll be good. I don't think it's anything to overreact to. We have a plethora of plays, and you know, it's 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 one thing to go over it, but you know, they they did a good job guarding it, and then tonight I didn't necessarily you know execute it properly um, at the end. I think you see it with the stack when we get stagnant, you know, we kind of get in the isolation, you know, typically they switch you in mics typically in that's type of typical, like, so, you know, tonight's lineup, they switched a lot um, in that second unit, you know, just being able to get a feel, you know, sometimes we do a good job of it, and tonight, you know, we missed Mike's presence, obviously, but we were able to still find a way to continue to to, um, to move the ball, and we didn't really push the ball in transition a lot. We didn't run as much as we could have, and, you know, 
you get tired a little bit, you know, it's fatigue. It happens. But you know, when you have another ball handler out there, guy, I think Trent, I think Trent did a good job tonight being able to create, get in the lane. Um, <clears throat> he had a finish, but they called an offensive foul. Like, you know, that's the biggest thing is being able to create and get in the pain. And, you know, obviously when Mike's not playing, it's you, you lose one of those guys, but you know, for us, it's continuing to, to push the pace and get the ball moving and continuing to find the open man. There's Donovan Mitchell, 32 points for Donovan as the Jazz come up short against the Wizards, 109-103. to Next up for the Utah Jazz, they've got a home game against the Hornets tonight. Uh, that game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 6. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending all the headlines? Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. Goff up under center, single back is Reynolds. Goff takes, turns, fakes the give, rolls right, throws, caught. Kabinda, end zone, touchdown, Detroit Lions. Sprinkle's going to line up on the left next to McEwen. McGovern's going to line up on the right. Second and goal at the one. McEwen motion, or Schultz motion right. Another tight end motion, play fake. Prescott looks right, looks left, throws it in the end zone, caught. Touchdown to Dalton Schultz. Huntley with a snap from the gun, steps up. Now he'll run. He's for five, one, touchdown, Tyler Huntley. He's done it again. Snap to Huntley, rolls right, throws right side of the end zone, and it's incomplete, incomplete. Right corner of the end zone in front of the pylon, and incomplete. The Packers are going to hang on and win this game. The Saints win it, 9-0, three field goals. The Saints are 7-7. Seven and seven. Highlights from a busy weekend in the NFL, and it's not done yet. The week continues with two games today and two games tomorrow, but there are some thrillers in there. Heard the highlights from the Packers and Ravens. Tyler Huntley throws for two touchdowns, runs for two more touchdowns, but the Ravens go for two in the win. And PK, analytics, yada yada, blah blah, they're now two of seven on two-point conversions. Three weeks in a row, they've missed a fourth quarter two-point conversion and lost. Man, this is then they're due. Analytics say the next time they should be really be good, huh? <laughs> that had to be what they were thinking going forward this time. <laughs> They'll be even more due next time. Uh, well, th- there's no guarantee if they kick the extra point that they win in overtime. I mean, you you gave Aaron Rodgers 42 seconds too, and so that guy, yeah, you know, he's as good as there is. Obviously, as we've seen many many times over, I don't have a problem. You're trying to win the game, and I'm not trying to do the Herm Edwards thing here, but. The thing that I didn't like is when you roll out like that and you send, in this case, the tight end to the corner, you just boxed yourself in. You took the entire field, what's it, 40, 45 yards wide, and then you narrowed it down to about 10 yards, 5 yards. And as he's rolling to his right, I just didn't like the play. Although I love Tyler Huntley. I've always been a huge fan. That young fella is making himself some money as we speak. Absolutely. That was a very impressive performance. It was a nice first half, and when they got down 31-17, you think, well, they can roll over. Fourth quarter, winning time, two touchdown drives. That was good stuff. Big time. And that the touchdown run that he ran, the thing that I love about it is he had looked at least twice. You know, his big criticism early on before Ludwig got there at the U was that he was so prone to run at the you know, slightest uh, right. hint of pressure. But keep the eyes off. Yeah. Right. And he looked at least twice 
and then saw it wasn't there, and then scoots around the left end. So absolutely brilliant performance, even in a loss. The reality is, as far as him being an NFL quarterback, they didn't need to win that game because he'd already done enough, especially since he's just a young kid and barely getting started. So now the NFC race, the Packers had the number one seed based on tiebreaker, but they're now a game clear of everybody because the Bucks got shut out. Nine nothing by the Saints and the Cardinals in what I thought was the I mean there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened, but just the shocker of the day, the Lions. The Lions, and they didn't just beat Arizona, they blew them out. You've been expressing your doubts about, hey, they are what their record says they are, but I can't believe this is their record. You're not alone, and you're not alone now and going, well, three and four in the last seven, back-to-back losses. You guys are coming back to earth. Yeah, I mean, it's a long season. You're going to eventually end up being who you are, that's for sure. I think that Murray clearly misses Hopkins because he was his ultimate safety blanket, throwing mm-hmm. him the ball, went in doubt, and now he's done for the season, and they're saying they would need an extended playoff for him to get in. Doesn't look like they're going to have an extended playoff. But, yeah, that was a shock. I was watching that on my uh, NFL ticket thing, and it was bitterly disappointed for my sister and uh, all the Cardinal fans in the Valley. And, and let's just say, see, I'm not a huge Cardinal fan. I am not going to be listening to Hatchet Station today. I'm going to dissect that, that thing a thousand times over. When I go to the gym, giving yourself the day off. Else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just going to go, I mean, as they should. It's the number one story down there. I would prefer that they talk a little bit more Suns. We'll get to that in a second. And they never really talk ASU. And as I was watching the Saints, speaking of ASU, they got a kid uh, plays on the defensive line. You know what his name is? You guys, are, you guys you remember his name? You know who I'm talking about? He was pretty good. They interviewed him after the game. Uh, is it uh, Cameron Jordan? Yeah, Cameron Jordan. He's a stud, right, for the Saints. Yeah, he went to Chandler High, and he went to Cal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <Will they? laughs> keep him home, devils. Can they keep just one guy, like, every three years, maybe? No. He went to Cal, of all places. At least go to some football power, but he goes to Cal. And he's a, he's a stud, and the Saints defense did, did what they had to do, for sure. Cowboys forced four turnovers, three of them picks. They beat the Giants 21-6, total ho-hum, but now 10-4, and and the two seed in the NFC with three weeks to go. So things looking up for Dallas. I wouldn't say it's a total ho-hum. In the season in which we're in, I'd say it's a total ho-ho-ho. There it is. Thank you very much, PK. Thank you. Uh, Saturday, the Colts ended the Patriots' win streak. A a 67-yard touchdown run by Jonathan Taylor when it looked like the Colts might blow a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter. Would have been the ultimate get-off-the-hook game there by the Patriots as they came back, but didn't happen. Colts hold on and beat New England. So Kansas City, after a horrible start, it's a long season, yada, yada. They've got the best record in the AFC because the Titans got beat by the Steelers 19-13. It's a game of inches, PK, and Pittsburgh gets a fourth down stop by half a yard up 19-13. The Titans at the 10-yard line, maybe going in for the winning TD and extra point. It's a game of I inches. think sports are a game of inches. I mean, just about any, any sport uh, you can go. I, I don't know what sport isn't a, a game of inches there. I mean, it's just sometimes it's just a razor-thin margin. And uh, you know, the Patriots still having a fine season. 49ers have come back and won six out of eight, and I don't know, Yak, you love the Niners, don't you? You left them so off. I. You left them off the list. You don't want to jinx yourself. Did I put them on there? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I enjoyed the win. Six of eight. Uh, I, I overlooked it's, it. It's a long season, and you got a chance to dig out of a hole, and the Niners did that because they were 
They were really struggling there. Could they be, were two and four, and it wasn't looking good. Could be them and the Saints for the final wild card spot they, here. They dominated Atlanta 31-13. Come on, your uncle had season tickets. They drove down from Reno. Yeah. We can't forget the Niners. <laughs> we didn't. Yacht did, but we didn't. I know. That's what I'm saying. We just cannot allow it. Rams and Niners now uh, in the wild card spots, although the Rams could still win that division. They've got uh, they're just a half game behind the Cardinals to play tomorrow. They got a chance to tie them at 10-4, so, so that plays out down the stretch as the Cardinals fade. Doubleheader today, Raiders and Browns, 3 o'clock on the NFL Network. Vikings and Bears, 6-15 on ESPN. And I assume we'll be splitting our signal today and have the Raider game for you this afternoon. But I, I'm not used to Monday afternoon football, so... I have not heard anything <laughs> on that, so I don't know. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. Slot and a wing to the left. Hopkins brings a man in motion. Pop pass to Prince. Running to the far side. Keeps his feet at the five. He'll take it in for the UAB touchdown. Pistol again in the backfield as Dylan has the snap. Gives to McBride. Running right. Daylight 40, 45. Midfield. Far side at the 40. Still on his feet. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown UAB. Hopkins the snap. Straight drop. Throws. End zone. Wide open. Touchdown UAB. Trey Shropshire was all alone. And on fourth and seven, the Blazers reclaim the lead. Play fake. Romney steps up. Throws over the middle. Caught far side now at the 30-yard line. Ball loose. Picked up by the Blazers. Covered at the 28-yard line. The UAB Blazers beat BYU 31-28. School record rushing record for Tyler Algier, 1,601 yards on the season. Breaks Luke Staley's record. He does it with a massive 192-yard performance in the bowl game, including a 62-yard touchdown. But PK over on the other side, BYU could not stop UAB's running back, Dwayne McBride. 28 carries, 183 yards, and he had a 64-yard touchdown run. And UAB gets the win 31-28. Well, as I said on Twitter, another McBride beats the Cougars. I mean, first it was Ronnie, now it's Dwayne. I mean, it's just one McBride after another. Come on, Bake McBride. Renee McBride, you know who Renee McBride is? That is uh, Phil Mickelson's mother-in-law. I've told you that. Yes. Has been in my house <laughs> before she moved. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I I look at it. Oh, first, uh, Yak, I think we got to do going forward in 20, what are we going to be in 2022? Correct. On these games, I think we should have the losing announcer. I think that would be more fun <laughs> than the winning, winning announcer. So. Okay, so we're working on that. <laughs> we don't have broadcast. We don't have rights to use those broadcast rights. Well, but we they are should. Being negotiated I mean, we're like speak. we're we're like brothers now. I mean, I know, I know. We're at least cousins. <laughs> I know. It's it's in the details, gentlemen. <laughs> the thing about I've been consistent in not getting too crazy about these bowl games because it's three weeks after the season. I know in this case the Cougars didn't have it, but a lot of times coaches are changed and whatnot. Players are held out. Players opt out. And I realized Jaron Hall didn't play. Uh, but still, all that in mind, and I've been consistent with that, not determining your season on some bowl that really no one's going to remember. I get all that, but I'm going to be sort of a double talk here because for the Cougars' sake, that loss bothered me. Yeah, if, that wasn't, if you didn't find that disappointing, I would wonder what is wrong with you. But I don't normally get worked up on bowl games. 
You're better about that than most people, and I think you got to take it game by game because there are coaching changes, how many guys do opt out. I think the opt-outs have really – I mean, I know the playoff and the BCS have had an impact, but the opt-outs – when it's one thing to say the team didn't want to play, but when guys literally don't want to play, that's got to have more weight. But this wasn't a game that had a lot of that. Yeah, I understand that. And so maybe that's the exception. But, you know, the weather was miserable. They don't have their starting quarterback. The Utes have been saying, oh, if we had Cam Rising, we would have beat you. And, you know, maybe it would have. But then the the Cougars didn't have Jaron Hall. So can I go one versus the other there? No, it only goes one way, PK. Only one way. (laughs) (laughs) I think the bigger picture here is because 10 wins is still a good season. And I get the top 10 dream. So that dies there if that was important to you. An 11th win would have been great and all that. But... There were a lot of guys missing on defense. That's probably a big part. You'd like to think if you had your, you know, had your guys there, you'd stop the run. But you're always going to have injuries. You're probably going to have more when you go to the Big 12. The depth has got to improve over the next year and a half. And I think we're viewing everything now going forward as, hey, how's this going to play when they get to the Big 12? And it's all a little bit of a guessing game. You don't know anything for sure. But if you take one thing away from that game... They need more depth when they go to the Big 12 because defensively they got beat up in a way they didn't get beat up earlier this year. True. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. We got a Logan Bonner injury? No, this has got to be game planned for the bowl game. Got to be. So Cooper Lega gets the snap, fakes the handoff, wanting to throw. He's throwing deep to DT. And DT has it to the 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Utah State. Cooper Lega, welcome to the game. Welcome to the end zone. Hand off to Tyler. Tyler gets past the 10. Tyler to the 5. Tyler into the end zone. Calvin Tyler, the former Oregon State Beaver, has given the Aggies the lead against his former team. Utah State score. Laga in shotgun. Noah to his right. Motion man. Laga waiting, waiting, throwing, caught. Brandon Bowling, touchdown, Utah State. Cooper Laga is second touchdown of the day. And the Aggies cruising here in California. Yeah, Yeah, winning announcers suck. You're right, PK. Yeah, it's more fun to go with the losers, I think. Ligas throws it deep. Touchdown. (laughs) I I thought it was Ligas. I I think the the Oregon State guy would have been caught off guard, right? Who's this third string quarterback? Ligas. Ligas. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Heck of a performance by Utah State. They give up a drive early in the game. Three plays, 71 yards, touchdown Beavers. Uh Uh-oh! And literally nothing went right for Oregon State the rest of the day. It was all Utah State after that. Third-string quarterback, no excuses for the Aggies, PK. They get the win. Yeah, you would have told me going into the game that they would win. I wasn't that surprised because historically, I think you look at the top of the Mountain West, you know, maybe one or two teams, in this case, it would obviously be Utah State. They're usually as good as the middle to the bottom of the Pac-12, particularly in any game, right? We've seen it a million times over. So that doesn't surprise me. This is a team that lost to Colorado. I've been saying it for weeks. So certainly Utah State could win. But when you factor in the third-team quarterback who literally hasn't thrown a ball, throws a touchdown pass on his first throw and all that stuff, that, I don't know if I would have said going into the game, oh, yeah, sure, I still feel confident. That changes everything. I, I think the middle of a the middle of a good G five league like the Mountain West to the or the top of the Mountain West to the middle of the Pac twelve. You're right. We have seen that a million times, over and over and over. 
the third string quarterback, you got to wonder, but man, apparently he checked into that play. That wasn't, yep, nope. I know what we got called. Look at the defense. We got to change it. Although, when in doubt, changing to DT go along isn't, uh, isn't a real leap of faith. No, and if the ball does get picked, you know, you've gained a little bit of a field advantage at least. As a it was like throwing. a punt, PK. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's something along those lines, but throwing it to, to to your potential NFL receiver or your NFL statistics, I mean, he's a smaller guy, so maybe he doesn't make it, but statistically he should be in there, and so they made the play. And the defense came up big, and overall I'm not surprised with the caveat being the reserve quarterback. So now we're following two little wide receivers, right? Or slot guys or return guys. Britton Covey and DT. Yeah. You're under 5'10", but can you find a way to play? There are a handful of guys under 5'10 in the NFL. Well, S- Steve Smith and wasn't very big for right. you. Well, he didn't do a whole lot for Utah, but in the NFL he was sensational. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Former Auburn quarterback Bo Nix will transfer to Oregon and play for the Ducks under new head coach Dan Lanning. Nix was a three-year starter for the Tigers. Thanks to the COVID year, he will have two years of eligibility remaining. I did see people tweeting out, though, that uh, he's going to have a lower quarterback rating than the guy he's replacing. You fear Bo Nix well, in Oregon? I don't know. Uh, well, you just anointed him the starter. I did anoint him the starter. <laughs> they got this kid Thompson from Phoenix. And Phoenix kids I tend to hear about, and I can talk to people. They can tell me about him. So he didn't, he didn't get out on the field for some bizarre reason this year. I mean, he should have been playing in both those Utah losses. So I'm not so sure that Bo Nix is going to be the starter. I don't know that he isn't going to be the starter, but I can't guarantee you that he will be the starter. He's coming from a named school, and it seems like he was the quarterback there for about nine years. Uh, So we know of them, his name anyway. But I don't know that. I I, I haven't studied him enough and focused on him enough to know what to think as is he going to be the starter. I I just don't think this is the way for Oregon to go. I've been saying it for years when they did that call-ups from the big sky there. They had that going on for a while. I think that you need to develop somebody, let him play, and get better, and then you're ready to go. But they're they're not intent on doing this. Well, we got to keep our eye on Oregon. Obviously, the Utes in the Pac-12, plus the bonus game, BYU, game number three next year. The Cougars are at Oregon, so... Plenty of reasons for everybody listening to watch the the Ducks next year. Former Oregon wide receiver Micah Pittman announced he'll be transferring to Florida State. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Feel left of the circle. Left elbow. Oh, slam! Slam! Right in! That, that will enjoy your preserves. That was with anger and malice. Neto, chance of defense in Utah. Right wing now. Beal probes. Jump step. Gets in the paint. 14-footer good. Beal, left wing. Jab step in the left corner for three. It's there. Oh, it's there. Bradley Beal. Colwell Pope now. Right wing outside the arc for three. It's there. Oh, it's there. You kidding me? Off balance with the shot clock buzzer going down. He has given the Wizards a five-point lead. 108-103. We don't have rights to the losing team there either. I went with the winning team today, I don't want to tell you. 
<laughs> Yawk loves his winners. He's front running with all the audio. Absolutely. I like it. All right. You can't win them all, PK, but could you win one of the two? Jazz eight-game win streak ends when the Spurs beat them Friday night, and then the Wizards turn around and beat them on Saturday, and that wasn't good at all. Total downer. You got silver linings in any of this? Yeah, they're eight and two in their last ten. <laughs> well done. If they go nine and one in their next ten, you still get that seventeen and three run you're looking for. Yeah, but I mean, it still even if they don't, there's there's time to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's in the inconsistency. It's it's just, it's a head scratcher. I was doing the, uh, the radio with uh, Jake on uh, Saturday, and, you know, thinking, all right, yeah, great. They lost Friday, man. I get to come in on a white horse and they win, and we'll have all sorts of fun talk. Everybody likes that, but no, they didn't. And you you look at it, and one of the things I said is they've had some incredible plays to get beat. Now, you can't isolate it down to one single play, that's for sure. But nevertheless, the Spurs, uh, Jaron Jackson, the the next night, I I don't know if it's the next night, but it was the Pelicans and Joey Graham, and then Pope hitting that three. I'm telling you, when the shot clock is going down, guys are just so dangerous. It just, it's just, they just make me nervous in those situations. And then the night before, the ball with Donovan just sitting there on the rim. <laughs> it doesn't go. Although I, I, I said this uh, on uh, Saturday night, on the Friday night, I, I think they've got to come up with something better than this Donovan dribbling, and I'm going to take the shot, and I'm going to go to the basket, and I'm going to do it. And I, I just don't know if that's the right approach. I don't mind the ball. In fact, I love the ball being in his hands. But maybe type of uh, facilitator if it's there because that shot going to the basket and trying to slow scoop layup from outside the lane practically the degree of difficulty is there and so maybe they want to think about uh, something a little bit different now the last possession when they had like two seconds to go uh, that's another story you know he did but there was one, one one game there where he dribbled towards the jazz bench and you thought he was going to do Kawhi Leonard against the Sixers and just go out of bounds and pull <laughs> one up. And it, I, I want to see a little bit more, as long as time permits, at the end of the game. Yeah, when you have two seconds, they didn't have much going on there. Right, uh, right. I think the thing that just got to bug everybody about the Spurs, though, is you're right, it's not just the last play. There's the 90 possessions, 100 possessions, whatever, in a game. The Spurs, you give up 36 points in the first quarter, and then 41 in the third, when typically that's when you tighten up the act at halftime and you come out and you... 41? That's an enormous quarter to give up. That's not nearly oh, sure. good enough. I mean, that is, getting outscored 41-23 in the third quarter is why they lost to the Spurs. Not what happened in the last two minutes. Although, down the stretch, man, in the fourth quarter, it just seemed like the Spurs were getting everything they wanted. True story. 69 points second half. That is a lot of points and a half. Jazz, back at it tonight against the Hornets. We got tickets to give away at 7.30, 8.30, and 9.30. We're giving tickets away. On the, well, we're not going to make it at 7.30. We're going to be late, Yach. 7.35? We got tickets coming up right after the commercial break. See the Jazz and the Hornets tonight. Hornets will be going back-to-back, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Booker out of backcourt to Paul in front. Paul shoots a three. Shazam! Well, he's okay. Beasley up top. Towns left side. Working against Powell. Across the lane. Runs it up. Off glass. Got it for two. Here comes the track. Down the track. Throw it down the block. 
screen in front to DeMar DeRozan with nine on the clock, under a minute to go. DeMar, top side three, got it! Big time shot, they're going to call it a long two. Phoenix Suns get Devin Booker back. He missed seven games with a hamstring injury. They didn't really need him. They had nine guys in double figures as they annihilated the Charlotte Hornets. 137-106. Hornets get blown out in Phoenix last night. They're here in Utah tonight. That was a stunner, man. They just got smoked right from, from the start. start. Yeah. Makes me a little nervous because the law of numbers, uh, you wouldn't think that the Hornets would be that bad for two games in a row. But... It doesn't really matter. The Jazz, Jazz got to find a way to win. I mean, this is a crazy game here. They call it a must-win, but they can't afford three losses in a row at home to to not to decent at best teams. The Hornets are on a long Western trip. This is their fifth game. They are one and three on this trip. They beat the Spurs, but they lost to the Mavericks, the Blazers, and the Suns. And bigger picture than that, they're just playing poorly. They were three and eight in their last eleven games. Bulls had to miss a couple games, but they got enough guys back to uh, play, so they played the Lakers, and they ended up getting the win, 115-110. DeMar DeRozan goes for 38. The Lakers were the team that was shorthanded, and you know, it's the old story, PK, guys, when they play their former team, they uh, they go nuts, and there's a couple of former Lakers over there. Lonzo Ball went for 19 points for Chicago, and the, uh, the Bulls get the win. Yeah, DeRozan was really hot. And Anthony Davis is out for, what, they said four weeks? Yep, four weeks for now, yeah. Blazers beat the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies had won 10 of their last 11. It's now 10 of 12. Grizzlies two games behind the Jazz in the standings right now. Damian Lillard went for 32 points in the 105-100 win. Memphis right on the Jazz heels in the race for third in the West. Three games postponed yesterday due to a number of players entering health and safety protocols. The NBA has implemented new rules that will allow teams to sign replacement players to bolster their lineups while they have players out. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. In-state game goes to BYU. They beat Weber State 89-71. Hit 16 three-pointers in the game in Ogden. They improved to 9-2 on the year. Weber State drops to 9-3. BYU now off to Hawaii playing the Rainbow Classic. Wednesday, Thursday. Diamond Head Classic. Diamond Head Classic. They got they got a tournament every week over there. Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Utes had a good thing going against Missouri, but last seven minutes of the game belonged to the Tigers. They finish on a 23-10 run, and they rally to beat Utah 83-75. A little hint to the guy who writes up the thing, the Utes. He starts it out, the shorthanded Utes, and then I read the copy. Never tells me who's not there. Come on. Details. They're important. Iowa blows out Utah State 94-75. Michigan blows out Southern Utah 87-50. And that is what is trending. Those are your headlines from a big weekend in sports. I brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, we will give away the tickets to the Jazz and the Hornets tonight. A couple of tickets every hour. On the half hour, all day long, here on The Zone. We will do that next. DJ and PK, stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. 
Danny Ainge has been named as the CEO of the Utah Jazz. Scotty, you called this going back into June, essentially. Obviously, Ryan Smith is an absolute brilliant mind. But I also think that in his mind, he's like, okay, I'm a brilliant mind of business. I want to be a brilliant mind in NBA management. In order to do that, let me get the most brilliant mind around next to me. This is going to sound like a criticism. Trust me when I say it is not because I respect the heck out of it. Danny Ainge is a cold-blooded killer when it comes to making moves necessary to try to win a championship. You look at the moves he made in Boston, when something has to be done, and it may not be popular for your fan base, but in your mind, it makes you better, he's going to pull the trigger on it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair is 2021. You don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text hair to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment. Or visit www.utahairmd.com. <laughs> you going to sing a little Sinatra? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a couple tickets to see the Utah Jazz tonight. You want to go to the game tonight? See the Jazz and the Hornets? Boo, Gordon Hayward. Personally, I think you ought to be able to hear a pin drop when that guy is introduced. Total quiet. We're over you. You don't matter to us, but it's probably not how it's going to work Ooh. out. Yeah. Uh, who? Huh? Who's that guy? <laughs> Probably be booze cascading down on him. Whatever. If you want the tickets, be caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. And the way it usually works, half the crowd won't even be in their seats, so they'll neither boo <laughs> nor be quiet. It's a later raving, later raving it, crowd. It always is. You never know how many people are going to be at a game until 730. All right, PK. Question of the day, two-parter. We begin with, how much did that suck for the Cougars losing to UAB? Mm. A lot. It had a very negative impact on talking sports ratings. We need the local teams to win. Come on, pull it together. Jazz and the Cougars losing on a Saturday, that's no good. That's no good at all. Yeah, I know a guy who could help your ratings, but... Uh, well, that'd be on Sunday. Darren says... If Tuesday, Hall- Monday, you name it. <laughs> hey, you're a winner seven nights a week. Darren says if Hall could have played, I think they win. You buying it? Okay. Would that have made the yes. difference? Yeah, but I think it's a bigger issue there with this young fellow. I think he's a dynamic quarterback who had a great season, but you can't count on him for any length of time. It's unfortunate, but there's the injury issue with him now constantly. It just it's the reality. I mean, he got injured against SC. Or this was if this would have been a regular season and and they normally uh, going forward I guess it doesn't matter anytime you play now when they get in the Big Twelve but he, and you can be injured against anybody but the point I'm making is that was you know a couple weeks back so if this would have been in the regular season he would have missed all these games yeah he'd have missed three games so, off this injury maybe four who knows if he'd be ready next and week. he'd already yeah. missed some games before Two. so yeah. if you're if you're gonna go with him you most definitely have to have an experienced backup, not some young kid who you think can develop down the line. You need Baylor Romney. Like the, like the Utes, the Utes, that's what they, they've been doing. You know, they don't have an experienced guy behind rising, and knock on wood, he's been able to be healthy. But with Hall, he's a dynamic player, love his skill set. But the injury issue is there. 
And so if you want to say, sure, that they would have won, I think they would have with him because I believe in his talent, and I know that the folks who coach him believe in his talent, and more importantly, that's what they believe as opposed to what I believe, and they tell me how good he is. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm dismayed that he can't find his way out on the field enough. Missed three games this year. They went 2-1. and one. Romney gave him some good play, but I get your point. There's a few games, and then he's out. There's a few games, and then he's out. And, you know, how will NFL people, I mean, he's, he's got the dream because everybody's got the dream. How will NFL people grade him on that? And more importantly, how will it work next year for BYU? Assuming he's back, I mean, I guess he could go. He's talked about thinking about it after the season. I, I would think he would come back, but you never know for sure. So would I. Yeah, and in this case, too, with the SC game, if it would have been regular season, he would have missed more, yeah. you know, because they had a couple of Saturdays off. Mm-hmm. But I, I try to go big picture on these bowls, but, man, some, for some reason, 11-2 and two sounds way better. Two 11-win seasons uh, sounds way better. And it, it was UAB. It was a come-down bowl, and I guess you know, that factors into it. I try to have fun with it, and I put it on Twitter just trying to have fun with it. And then I go and look at my mentions after the game. And, you know, I said, oh, BYU didn't want to be there. And a guy comes at me like, you know what BYU wanted or didn't want. Effort wasn't the issue. Give me a break. Another one, good excuse. Another one, oh, yeah, right, fanboy. <laughs> Don't step into the rivalry like that. Fanboy. Fanboy's a good the, one. Were these all responses to the McBride shot you got off? Oh, this one that I said was uh, that BYU didn't want to be there. It was two separate separate posts. Those ones off the uh, BYU didn't want to be there, which was a joke. And one guy thinks he's funny, Darren. That's what your wife says. That's not even an appropriate response to that. That joke doesn't apply to this one. But I love the one. Always excuses, fanboy. (laughs) 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 Don't they get that I'm just screwing around? No. Tone is lost on social media. Tone is the first thing lost on social Nuance, media. Nuance, tone. Nuance is second, decorum third. Yeah, but when you got a 20-year history, that doesn't count? Nope. Oh, no. 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 PK. Dude. I mean, I'm just messing around on yep. Twitter during these, these games. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, they make me laugh. Uh, uh, when I res- when I say something just messing around and they take it seriously, like BYU didn't want to be there. <laughs> Another guy, you're an idiot. Oh, man. So salty. What a loser. Jeez. Tony says, I'm not sure they realize the game started the first quarter. And knowing a team deep in the fourth quarter is going to run the ball down your throat and you give little to no resistance, that was as disappointing as any game in the last two years. By far. I disagree with that. Wasn't the Coastal Carolina game really disappointing and undefeated? Boise State, wasn't that really disappointing? I'm I'm more with Mike. It sucked the normal amount. (laughs) It was a loss. It sucked. Yeah, but okay, you're losing to Boise State and you're losing to Coastal Carolina, which was good. Mm -hmm. And Grayson McCall and those guys. And the thing was set up. I think they set that game up Saturday morning and they had to get on a plane and play that day. That legend grows. Uh, so that was understandable. Here, uh, the circumstances were much different. So I think under the circumstances, yeah, you, this was bitterly disappointing. Uh, I mean, who knows if they would have put you in whatever last year. 
because uh, the big thing was their schedule, and mm-hmm. so you can go back and forth on that. Uh, Eleven and one. No, uh, they've gone undefeated once, and you expected. And you were so close to twice. It's disappointing. Uh, it is disappointing, but I don't know that it's as disappointing as this one here. Uh, I think this one was this one was pretty disappointing, and they they didn't get it done when when we thought they were going to get it done. Although let's just call it like it is, the refs stole it from them. That wasn't a fumble by Nakua. He never had possession. Come on, refs didn't want BYU to win. That was obvious. Three, two, one. I'm going to check Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Incoming deluge of tweets. <laughs> Fanboy. <laughs> Wesley says, par for the course, my dudes. <laughs> I like the my dudes. In what way? What way? How do you say that? He does not explain. I, I, well, I, I would need some elaboration. How is that par for the course? I don't get it. Because they traveled. They're not good in the central and eastern time zones. I don't know. I got nothing yeah, for we, Yeah, I, I don't I, know. They haven't really had the ball run down their throat like that. Uh, I mean, there were shades of, the, shades of the SC game, but, you know, they got one more score in the SEC game and got the win. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's something to it that they lost to the Bears, the Broncos, and the Blazers? Yeah, Brian says, Killer Bees is the problem, Boise Baylor oh, and Bama Birmingham. <laughs> oh, uh, I would go with the nickname, Bama Birmingham. That's, that's a little bit of a stretch there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brian. Brian went the extra mile for us. Brian, thanks for stretching and posting that. You're the man. And I think you have to give a little bit of credit to UAB, too. You know, that these teams here, some of these teams. Isn't this just did, what we were saying about Utah State, except we're not saying it about a local team? If you're in a decent league and you're in the top three or four teams, you can you play good football. You can beat good teams. You you can be, yeah. I I, I don't know enough about uh, conference USA. That's what they're in, right? Although they're 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 taking off, right? They're, well, a big chunk, and I don't know that that'll be a decent conference going forward. It has been a decent yeah. conference, but it's getting gutted. There's multiple teams leaving that league, and to stay alive, yeah. uh, they're picking up everybody. They're bringing up Stephen Liberty. Come on down, New Mexico State. Say hello. Exactly. New Mexico State's coming up. Jacksonville State is moving up. Are they taking they, UConn or UMass? They're taking one of them, but not the other. Uh, I can't I even remember. Yeah, they're they just, were talking about doing. I don't know if they actually ever pulled okay. the trigger. I on think that. they're taking Bishop Gorman. <laughs> nice. Bishop Gorman, come on up to the big leagues. <laughs> Corner Canyon can be a travel partner. <laughs> Still, it was disappointing. And, you know, to me, you brought it up earlier, it underscores the work that they have to do uh, to get into the Big 12. Because nobody at Kyle Winningham, nobody cares about your injuries, and he's dead on. Nobody does. In fact, some of them might even want you to secretly have them. They can't ever say that. But you know, Kyle does. He says it all the time. Uh, I don't think he says that teams want you to have injuries. Well, he doesn't say injuries, but he says problems, and he's usually talking about problems when he's asked about injuries. He says, right, nobody but I don't cares think about he says problems. they want you to have them. No, he says they, they're glad you have them. That, he says ninety percent uh, of the people don't care they have your problem, and the rest or don't care about your problems, and the rest are glad you have them. And usually he's talking about injuries. But, but, but uh, yeah, uh, people always feel bad about that's, the that's kid. That's bad karma. I agree. I totally agree. People feel bad, but no one ever 
everyone's happy to catch the break. No one ever is like, I'm glad that kid has it. But plenty of people are like, I'm glad we're not facing that tackle, pass rusher, wide yeah, receiver, yeah, quarterback. Yeah, the fans may yeah. say that, but... We're catching they, a break there. I don't think that the teams... You start thinking that. I, just, I think that's dangerous. Yeah, I think the people uh, inside know how much work kids put into it, and then they don't get to play the yeah. game in whatever sport when they're hurt. That sucks. Right. But nevertheless, no one cares who's available, who's not available. The game is going to go on. And for the Cougars, they know they have some work to do. And I, and I sense that, especially next year, and they got a really tough schedule again next year because I was looking at it yeah. last night, just killing time watching a football game. You know, their schedule, I can argue, and you never know how it's going to turn out on uh, right now. But it looks like it's at least as tough as this year. It doesn't have the, the identifiable five Pac-12 teams, which is sort of fun and all that stuff. But the point being, you know, if they go through another good season, I think people are going to get really jacked. And they should be jacked about going into the Big 12, but I still don't think it's just going to be a piece of cake walk in a park transition. And we're seeing it here with these injuries because it's particularly defensively. I mean, they got bombarded. I'll give you that. They had some injury issues there, but the games are still going to be played. And so you've got to find ways to increase your depth to be able to have guys that there's not that much difference. And even dipping down into the third team sometimes, whatever it might be, depending on the position, you never know. Maybe they'll have some good health and they won't have to worry about it, but probably not over the course of given however many years you want to go into that. So they know they've got some work to do. And that was the situation I think that was on display because I was surprised to the level of success that UAB was able to run the ball, particularly at the end there when it was mm-hmm. obvious once they ruled that thing a fumble. And I didn't think it was a fumble, but nevertheless, they called it. And I saw Jay Drew wrote about some former uh, NFL, was an NFL referee, put a thing on Twitter. There's Terry no McCauley. way that, yeah. that the, yeah, there was no way that that was a fumble. And I didn't think it was. Uh, but these days, who knows what a fumble is? <laughs> who knows what a catch is? You know, we've seemed to just, uh, the lines of that have been blurred. And so I was nervous for the Cougars that if you don't want that to happen, then uh, secure the ball and then you're fine. But once that happened, I thought, I told my wife, we're watching the game. I said, this game's over because BYU's not going to be able to stop them. And they're going to get the necessary first downs to run out the clock. That's exactly what they did. And, And it was very disappointing. All right, DJ and PK, we got a little news this morning. Jake Hatch tweeting it out. We'll tell you all about it. Yuck, what are you looking at me like that for? You already regret the tweet? No. Oh, okay. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. And I think about where Utah football is today. And the fact that Utah now is playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And I don't know if I've told you that yet, but that's what's that's what's going on. And I remember back at that time, 35, 36 years ago, where there wasn't even a snowball's chance that Utah would ever go to a Rose Bowl or ever play and compete against the Ohio State Buckeyes. That is unbelievable! Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSL Sports. Sports.com. He called me over. I could totally see him doing that. That's hilarious. Yeah, he'd call me over and we'd chat. And because he knew I was a Pac 12 guy, and because he coached down in Arizona. So then he came back, obviously. 
And so we'd talk. He'd talk about the Utes. he want to know what's going on. It's funny because he wasn't necessarily engaging a lot of times with some people. But for other folks, uh, for whatever reason, me, he was always engaging. Yeah, and I always enjoyed talking with him. Uh, talked to him uh, when he was coaching at Arizona, and they came up to play at Rice-Eccles. Saw him uh, walking up the ramp. They don't even have that ramp there anymore now with the south end zone looking as spiffy as it does. And so, uh, yeah, I've known him for a good long while, and I think he's a heck of a football coach. So, yeah, you're right. Add, add Syracuse to the list of teams I've got to root for now. <laughs> well, you're and already following. Guys. At least you're already following Washington State. It's not an extra game oh, to track sure. with Atuaya. Yeah. He's in the Pac-12 now. So Yeah, I don't, I don't know Atuaya at all. I don't, I don't recall ever really having an individual conversation with him. That's a, so that's another story there. It's not the relationship isn't near. In fact, it's non-existent, especially compared to Anai, Jason Beck. We've interviewed a few times, but yeah, I think this is good news. Obviously, for these guys, they want to stay employed. It's going to be an interesting situation for them because you know they went from Provo, which is uh, sort of a secluded area, and then they go together in Mass, all the way over to Virginia, and they've got their their set of people you know we had brady or kelly papingo on last week right and he was talking about how everybody the kids end up being best friends mm-hmm. and these assistant coaches his kids looked at those guys as practically parents you look out for you so the transition if you could have a transition with other people especially as dramatic as that was it's going to be made a lot more smooth and probably a lot more fun well now you're not going to have that jason beck's going to go as the quarterback coach to Syracuse yep. is that yep. so at least the you know Robert obviously had an influence there in getting Jason Beck over so at least they'll have him Atawaya has got to know somebody so he goes from Provo to Virginia to Pullman that's those are massive moves man <laughs> they're not they're not uh, Guy Holiday when he didn't get the BYU gig um, when he got on the freeway instead of going south he went north right and he stayed in the same house and uh, coached at Utah for a number of years so that wasn't that that big of a deal and we see guys uh, locally here Gary Anderson and some of the folks going north you know not that big of a deal even like uh, compared to uh, Utah uh, when Kalani went from Utah to Oregon State wasn't that massive of a move now these guys are making such dramatic moves but it's good that they were in the business because that's what they want and now I've got to see I got it Kelly's got to get a job man I mean, Kelly's my guy. He's got to get a job. I, I don't know where it is, but he's got to get a job. He deserves it. Uh, Suoto, we, we, remember that year they went, uh, was it their last year before going uh, independent? And they used to have like the Monday or Tuesday thing, and then they'd give you a player. Mm-hmm. And every week it was Suoto because <laughs> he was at the end of his academic career. And so maybe he was only taking a class or two or whatever. Yep. Seemed like he came on with us. I think we were at 1320 in the, uh, over there uh, by the Spaghetti Bowl at that time, and he would come on. So we got to know him. So certainly I'm going to root for him. He came on when he was coaching at SC for us. We asked him to come on, and he did. And I got to have him get a gig too. Yeah, these guys deserve an opportunity. And I, I think that they will somewhere, some point, they're going to be able to continue. And as I said, I think that's great for BYU because you never know what's going to happen. And I've had people in, in Provo tell me, hey, of all things being equal, all things, and it's not always the case, but of all things being equal, we're likely to go with the LDS guy, right? Because he, he knows the 
the rules, so to speak. He knows how to negotiate working at BYU. So the more qualified guys you can have, the better potential pool of candidates because you don't want to be reduced to taking somebody, well, he's the only guy available. I mean, that doesn't sound very good. So you want qualified candidates, and a lot of LDS guys now getting out there, getting these qualified candidates, plus they're getting an extensive experience in different uh, different schools, different conferences, recruiting bases, building relationships there. Maybe none of them ever go to Provo. I don't know if they do. But if it should happen that way, you know, I think it's a benefit for the Cougars, too. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Question of the day, part two, the Jazz. What is wrong? We will get to that coming up next. Stay with us. Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at your next Utah Jazz game. There are free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing. Enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. All right, PK, question of the day, part two, as we mull over a disastrous weekend for local teams not named Utah State football. We talked about the Cougars' bowl loss earlier, and the Jazz doubled down, getting defeated Friday and Saturday, first by the Spurs, then by the Wizards. The Jazz have lost to some of the worst teams in the NBA. I mean, it's one thing to lose home games, and they're 10-6 and at home, and that is not good, that is not impressive, that is not up to standard, up to snuff. Whatever goal you set for them, that has got to be below it. They're not trending in the right direction. 10-3 and on the road, very impressive. Elite, top of the line. But for whatever reason, it is not translating at home. And the losses, I mean, losing to the Pelicans, who are... 14th in the West, the Spurs, who are 12th in the West, uh, the Pacers, who are 13th in the East. I mean, they've, they have lost to some bad basketball teams at home. Yeah, they have. I don't know that I'd put Washington in that category. I do Although, not. But They're 500. They, Washington's they have 500. lost 8 out of 9. I know. <laughs> they were at one point, because I was doing the pregame and half ga- uh, halftime and post with uh, mm-hmm. Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe was doing the BYU-Weber game, so I pinch hit. And... You know, at one point, I think they were like uh, 14 and 8, something along those lines. That we'd, mm-hmm. I'd obviously looked it up. And that's not bad, particularly where they were. And then they went on this streak. They lost 8 of 9. I did say going in this game, this game worries me because Bradley Beal, <clears throat> last year, you know, I think he'd averaged like 30. This year, he'd only been averaging 22. I said, he is as capable as anybody out there for going for 40. And I said that in the pregame. Now, I was wrong. He didn't go for 40. He went he for went 37. For... <laughs> yeah. But we know he's an elite scorer, right? Uh, he's sort of uh, the Eastern Conference's version of Damian Lillard. In that way, right? He can go off any given game and no one's going to bat an eyelash. And he did. And so I was concerned about that game because that's a dangerous team. The thing about the Jazz, as I was thinking about this watching the game on Saturday, is that there's halfway decent teams out there, the Wizards being one of them. And they're looking for a spark, right? Because I think the Wizards in the East a shot to be a playoff team and they need something when you're in a bad streak you need a spark you need some type of foundation that say okay this is the thing that spurred us on what better way to have something spur you on than beating an elite team at least they're considered an elite team like the jazz on their home floor 
or if you're like the Spurs, you're going nowhere this year, right? You just aren't. The Pelicans are going nowhere this year. Well, what better way to get some more oomph into your season by then going out on the road and beating a top team? And that's where the Jazz are. They're no longer a story like, oh, can they get the best record this year? It's sort of like last year. I don't want to say they came out of nowhere, but we didn't know they were going to get the best record, and they did, and they got three All-Stars. All that stuff piles on in terms of people are pointing at you now. They want to beat you. They want to jumpstart their season, and because it's still early enough, like the, the Wizards, they can jumpstart their season. They lost 8 out of 9. Who's to say they can't win at 8 out of 9, you know, and get comfortably, firmly in the playoff race? The point I'm making here is... The Jazz have got to be on their game far more than they're doing it, particularly at home. They just have to, man. You look at that game Friday night, man. What were they up 17 in the second half? Mm-hmm. And then they lose. And credit the Spurs. You know, when Walker made was dribbling, it was looking like he was going to take on Gobert. And I was saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Sure enough, he makes the shot. Jazz got to find themselves in a position to not come down to the final minute or so because teams get amped to beat these guys. And they got to start matching their energy and intensity because they're the hunted. They're no longer the huntee. Or are they the hunty and no longer the hunted? I don't know how that how that works. Help me out. They're the they hunted. are the hunted. Yeah. Not the hunty. No one actually uses that word unless you're trying to be clever and make a point. Well, I was trying to be clever and make a point. Did I fail? <laughs> you never failed, PK. It's a long <laughs> string of wins. <laughs> but take the other point I, that I was making. So you it, see some validity to it? Okay, I feel like we've had this discussion before, but I'm in some bizarro upside down world here. What was that? What was that? Uh, Stranger Things. You ever see that Netflix stuff? Uh, the supernatural and there's a parallel universe. I can't afford Netflix. <laughs> Good one. I don't have Netflix. <laughs> That's because you've got cable and satellite. Come on, man. Start adding some streaming services. Let's get this video bill well, up over 400 bucks a month. Come oh on. Let's gosh, go. Yeah, Come wow. on, PK. Come I got to get I gotta get Disney Plus, though. <laughs> See, that's it. The reason I got to watch that Beatles uh, eight-part sure, documentary. Make sure you get the bundle if you do it, though. And that's why they do it, Dan. This is how, this is how they I'm do gonna it. I'm going to do it. I was at someone, someone's house Friday night celebrating my birthday who is a little more affluent than us. And it's like <laughs> after, after the jazz game, he's, you got to watch this. And I, I said. How about you have me over to watch it? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I'm talking about Monson. And I told, I told him, I said, if you start this, it's like 930 because it was after the jazz game because we went out to eat and i said if you start this i'm gonna be here till four in the morning because <laughs> i'm not gonna want to turn it off it's true it's what i've heard i haven't seen it either but i've heard so it's we, really good we turn on the first part and they go through a bunch of stuff like you know all the girls when they land in the states and all that stuff you could see anywhere and then they got to the meet where they're sitting in the studio and they're starting to compose songs and it's like pushing 10 o'clock i look over at my wife she's got her eyes closed and said we got to go, man. We don't go now. I'm not going to want to leave. So I got to get Disney Plus because I got to watch that. So that'll be my streaming thing. But reference your Netflix thing. So in Stranger Things, there's this uh, parallel universe, and we're through the looking glass. And that argument you brought up is the kind of thing I bring up, and then you yell at me for excusing the team's. Uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Well, in honor of Tyler Huntley, poo-poo performance. They so poo-poo. 
Okay. <laughs> of course, never this is part of... Hey, they so poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, can tweet, y'all can tweet that. <laughs> I think I did. I was sitting right behind him when he said it. Y'all can tweet that. That was his charm. He's got the media on his string. Doing his thing. So, yes, that's what happens when you get really good. You get circled. You take people's best shot. You're the favorite. BYU, it's cool. You won 21 football games in two years. That's a lot of football games to win. You think UAB didn't have it circled? You think they didn't go out on the Internet and find stuff about, oh, they're not excited to be there and get all pumped up? That's part of what happens when you get really good. All the, all the B-minus teams are going to circle you. And the Wizards are not a, a D basketball team. They're a classic C plus B minus. When they're totally on, they can be pretty good. But they're sixteen and fifteen for a reason. Yeah. So people are gonna the Warriors and the Suns are circled. The Warriors have been circled for a long time. Even when they were down, people circled them and wanted to beat them. I mean, they're still not healthy now. So you're right. The Jazz are taking people's best shots. I totally believe that. Hundred percent. But that's just part of trying to get to the top of the mountain and winning a championship. LeBron's been taking people's best shots forever. They're shorthanded. Nobody cares. Everybody wants to beat the Lakers. Beat L.A. They're chanting like they were chanting 30 or 40 years ago. That, it comes you. with the territory. You start getting to the top of the mountain, people want to pull you down. It's fun. The Jazz did it to teams over the years. Actually, it was funny you mentioned this. During the Spurs game, they rolled out the video of uh, Mehmet Kerr getting the putback at the buzzer to win, and he's holding up the finger, we're number one. Well, if you remember that era, actually the Spurs were number one and the Jazz were number 21. But for one night, it was fun to take the Spurs down. People paid their money. They spent their time in front of the TV. They want their team to win, so Memo celebrated it. But the Jazz weren't going anywhere in that era, and the Spurs were. Right, and that's what they're facing, and they've got to find ways to match that and overcome that. Because I'm sort of torn because I don't want to make a big deal about it, but yet I don't want to blow it off either. So I'm sort of in. Well, I think that's true. I think that's true because the, the truth is whatever happens in December doesn't automatically tell you what's going to happen in May. Now, the best teams tend to win all year long, and the 82 games gives you a pretty good hint of how the two months of the playoffs are going to go. But it doesn't tell you how they're going to go for sure. And you can win a championship, even though in the second weekend, the, the, or the second round, the play you referenced, Kawhi Leonard crouching in the corner while the ball hops on the rim four times before it decides to go in. Yeah. And yeah. they win the title. You know, and you go, well, they were lucky. Well, every championship team has a little bit of luck along the way, but you also need to make some of your own luck. Right. Yeah, that's basketball gods do what they do there you got to put yourself in a position and take advantage of it and these other teams now have put themselves in the position to beat the jazz in salt lake and they've done it and the the jazz have just got to put down and just say okay enough of that i mean you're not going to go and win however many home games they've got left i don't think they're going to go undefeated but it's just a string of losses here now if i look at it 
the string of losses, and you just named all these teams, and I even forgot about the Indiana one, to tell you the truth. <laughs> See? Uh, I, I did. I, I totally I, I put that off. I, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was thinking about these other ones, but that one's in that ballpark, too. So you've got to get out of there, and you've got to find ways to get this thing done here. You know, at the same time, I can look at it and say, oh, you know, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. I mean, you'll take that. You'll take that every single time, I think you would. Yes. Uh, what you won't take is losing double-digit leads at home to inferior teams. That's what's bugging people. I agree. Yeah, I don't know how I can argue with that. I love to argue, but I can't and, come up and with And don't that. lose to teams in the bottom third of the league because the gap isn't as big from the top of the league to the middle. And if you're a little off, and let's not – here's one thing we have not mentioned this yet, and it's, it's, we better mention it now because we should have mentioned it earlier. They're not as good when they don't have Mike Conley. He matters. And I know when you miss a guy, someone else is supposed to step up. But we got a trend building here. They're not as good when Mike Conley is in street clothes. It's an issue. They miss him. They're not as good. They're not as elite. Well, or you could argue they're not elite, but they're certainly not as elite. Yeah, and but I'm willing to sacrifice now for health later. Hundred percent. I can't guarantee health later. I agree. If you tell me that Conley, however many playoff games they play in, and he's ready to go all of them, and in the meantime, you lose some ball games in the regular season because of it. Deal with it. Yeah, well, not, I smile. Not just, <laughs> not just deal with it. I, I will I, definitely, yes, I will definitely trade the Wizards now for a playoff game later. Every Jazz fan should sign off yeah. on that. The problem is I don't know that I can guarantee that, uh, but so far... So good. So he didn't play. whoop de doo Don't really care. I'm looking at the bigger picture. So it's two things here. You've, you've got to look in the, media, in, in the immediacy because that's what's there for you, obviously. That's why it's the immediacy. But at the same time, you've got to look at the bigger picture, too. And so that's what they've got to figure out ways to go about getting themselves where they want to be when the time comes to be there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can't just keep losing these home games because, as you said, the Grizzlies are only a couple of games behind. It looks like right now, we're not even to Christmas, obviously, so there's still a long way to go. But it does look like right now that the Suns and the Warriors have set themselves up to have a battle for the best record in the West, which is likely going to be best record in the conference going forward here. And so, Do you I, mean the best record in the NBA? They're going to have the best record in the West, which would likely be the best record in the conference. Yeah, going forward here, it looks NBA. like yeah, yeah, it looks like these guys are for real, right? Oh yeah, Bo- why is anyone teams. doubting that? It's up uh, to well, the Jazz. It's up to the Jazz to elevate and catch up to them. I don't think those two teams. I mean, they've got to lose some games because they're both playing eight hundred ball. Well, they're both surprising me though. And the Phoenix, I never realized they went to the finals, but I didn't think they'd be this good this year. Right okay, out of but the we're gate, 30, we're thirty games in for the Warriors and twenty nine for the Suns. It's not a fluke. These teams are both. Uh, but I didn't that think good. I didn't think the Suns would be this good. I'm with you, but in and I didn't, and I certainly didn't think the Warriors would be this. good. I'm with you. I thought the Warriors would be top four again. I didn't know they'd be number two or one and running away from three and four. The Warriors are three and a half games clear of the Jazz, five and a half games clear of the Grizzlies. In 30 games, they are running away. So it's up to the Jazz to elevate. Because while these guys are human, and I don't think they're going to win 80% of their games when the season's done, because that's 65-66 win territory. Yeah, two teams in the same conference winning that many games? Yeah. That would be a stunner. Right. But it's clear at least one of them is going to win 60 if they both don't. 
And the Jazz oh, yeah, are not yeah, 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 the yeah. Jazz are not on a sixty win pace. So it's no. up to the Jazz to elevate. If they're you know this, these two teams aren't coming back to you. Maybe one will, but they won't both. Yeah. So if, I haven't given up best record, but I'm getting closer. Well, the game that should bug everyone is the Spurs, because. You don't win them all, and if you win nine in a row and the Wizards get you when Conley doesn't play, you're 9-1 in the last 10, and you're like, mm, okay. But there was no reason to give up 36 points in the first quarter, and it was completely, completely inexcusable to give up 41 in the third. And if they don't do those things, they beat the Spurs. And if you win nine out of 10 and the one you lose is without Conley, okay, what are we all wound up about? And Bradley Beal goes for 37. And Bradley yeah. Beal goes off. Right. Yeah, I understand so that. Conley, they are 0-3 when Conley sits, and they're 20-6 and when he plays. I, I think they, I thought they said Locke was saying they were 0-4. Are they 0-4? I'll have to uh, add it up there. Well, we do that little crosstalk after the game. And he said game. 0-4? That's what, that's what him and Ron were talking about, yeah. Well, then that even underscores my point more. I took them at their word. Okay, but I can live with that. I can, because the idea is, and they, they can live with it to an extent, because they've planned for it, knowing that this is what we're going to sacrifice in the short term for the long-term gain. All right? So if, they're, if they can live with it, I can live with it. All right? As long as he's there, ready to go when it matters most, and that's obviously the postseason. So I get all that. So be it. And I don't think that if he sits out 10 games, I don't think they're going to go on 10 either. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But you're right. The Spurs game, and the thing that bugged me is, and you, you bring up the 36 and the 41, mm-hmm. and those are numbers that they're black and white. They're absolute facts. But when the game was in the balance, they couldn't get a stop. I know. They still, that's the thing is that despite making a mess of those two quarters defensively, they could have won the game. But they didn't get a stop in those last three or four minutes. And the possession that should bug you the most, although it never comes down to one possession, and that's why I bring up the first and third quarters. But they got Pirtle to miss a shot, and Rudy didn't get the rebound, and Pirtle went right back up and got it over Rudy and put it back in. And they Pirtle. finally got him to miss a shot. Pirtle! I know. Of all people, it's the Pirtle. The former Jakob Pirtle. Jeez. The guy who led him to the Sweet 16, if I can recall. No. Well, he was on the Sweet 16 team. Yeah. What do you mean, No. I don't think of him as leading them on that team. He was better the next year. In height, they, the they did. In height, they went. Did. They went like tallest to shortest. I think they had another NBA guy who led them to the Sweet Sixteen. He would be at the front, though. Yeah, the tallest dude. Yeah, <laughs> the tallest dude. Pirtle, yeah, that that bugged me. That, I, I just not being able to dig in and get a stop. Man, the Spurs just couldn't miss that freaking Walker challenging Gobert. Yeah, that was outrageous. Shot, right? I know, and that's where. Stuff happens, and that's why you got to take care of business early in the game so you don't give him one shot. And then if he throws in something, you do everything right, and he throws in something ridiculous, ridiculous over the, the best shot blocker in the league, and great. Ridiculous? Ridiculous. That shot was ridiculous. What is it? He was like Lonnie Walker the fifth? Is that what his name the, was? The fourth. Oh, I thought it was his kid. Uh, yeah, good, good on him making that shot, man. I was shocked. Nobody challenges Gobert and wins. Whoever does that, but they did it. There's so many possessions there. And then I didn't like the last possession. I know, uh, well, the next to last possession, I guess, then. Right, Is it, next to last. I, I, I'm getting, I don't want to say I'm getting tired, but I think they got to come up with something better than Donovan trying to go one on five. 
Uh, Greg tweets at us, the Jazz issues are lack of wing defense. Atrocious execution of the final seconds of games is pretty fixable. Donovan needs to look to dish after he draws a crowd. Not necessarily. But I'm but okay got, with if he does, if he gets somebody an open shot. It's got to be an option. And right now it doesn't seem like it's an option. It's all or nothing. It seems like I'm an American kid. I grew up in an athletic household where sports was a big deal. Academics are a big deal, too. But sports is a big deal. And so I know this is the way it is. The best player on the team gets the ball and he takes the shot. It almost seems like that's what he's been born and bred to do. And I'm okay with that if it's there. And I want definitely want the ball in his hand. But if there's somebody available and defenses are collapsing big time, LeBron has got no problem giving it up. I was about Jordan's to say. Jordan's got no problem yep. giving it up. Give it up. If, if it's there, it's got to be there. But he is drawing a crowd, so someone's got to be open. You'd think. And the Jazz are very good over the course of the game at doing that, getting someone to draw a crowd and giving the ball up. And Donovan does it. Jordan Clarkson's getting better at doing it. Bogey and Joe Ingles certainly do it. And we can go down. Oh, Conley. I'm leaving Conley out. I mean, go down the list. There's a, the whole team is built that way. So... On the biggest possession of the game, do what you do the whole game and get somebody an open shot. There's tons of good shooters on this team. And then realize if you do pass it to Royce and he misses it, we're going to be criticizing you for passing it to Royce. Well, we could take a pledge not to do that. (laughs) Isn't that what we... When I say we, I mean the greater we. You can pledge all you want. It's going to happen regardless. (laughs) Yes, the fans are going to do it. I guarantee you, if if he's got something and he pulls it back or whatever, or he does a pass, he's got a killer arm. There's no doubt about it. I think Joe may not be able to get get some contact, get some wood, because uh, Mitchell's got a great arm. We've seen that with those passes that he makes there. He had that one the other night, too, and he can really whip that ball. And if he if he does it and Royce misses, we're going to say, why'd you pass the ball to Royce? You know what I mean? Take so. the pledge in, people. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the Royce and the United States of Donovan. All that means is that we're invested in the fan base's way into it, because if they don't care, then that's what you got going. That's worse than them care, than then uh Caring and complaining is not caring and not complaining. DJ and PK coming up. We'll give away tickets to see the Jazz and the Hornets tonight. We're giving them away every hour, all day long, on the half hour. We'll give away two tickets next. And we got a lot of fans weighing in with their theory of what is going wrong. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. And I think about where Utah football is today. And the fact that Utah now is playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And I don't know if I've told you that yet, but that's what's that's what's going on. And I remember back at that time, 35, 36 years ago, where there wasn't even a snowball's chance that Utah would ever go to a Rose Bowl or ever play and compete against the Ohio State Buckeyes. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSL Sports. Sports.com. Guys, Mika Couture wants to help you out this holiday season with a perfect gift. Stop by any location from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Get in today, save 50%, and get the best gift ever from Minky Couture. It is time to give away tickets to see the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are playing the Charlotte Hornets and Gordon Hayward tonight. Who wants free tickets? Stocking stuffer. Early Christmas gift from the Zone to you. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. If you don't win now, you can win again in an hour. 
Tickets every hour on the half hour, all day long, every show, right here on the Zone Sports Network. So I got something for you. What do you got? Is Hayward the biggest thing that we thought at the time was the biggest deal, but turned out to be not that big of a deal? No. There's a better example? Yes. What you got? I brought it up last week. What you got? The biggest thing that we ever made into something, and it was absolutely nothing, and we all sprinted to it and embraced it and groaned. And moaned. Charlie Brewer transferring from Baylor and being the starting quarterback? No, that's not a bad one, though. (laughs) That one was a certain... I mean, there's a whole list of these, right? I mean, I don't... And now we're going to have to put them in groups. We're not heaps. Just all the quarterbacks who've committed to local schools who were hyped up and then... eh. I mean, I wasn't even going to go to Jake. I was going to go to a couple guys of the U who never even played a snap. But the biggest thing we ever hyped up that really ultimately did not matter at all and is hilarious in retrospect is Alex Smith going into a game against San Diego State. They burned a year of eligibility. What was Mac thinking? How could this happen? And Irvin gets hired and they go undefeated and he leaves a year on the table. It wouldn't have mattered at all if he left two on the table. Man, we ran to something for no reason whatsoever. And I don't remember running to that. I don't remember that. That was a huge deal. That was a big deal. As he got good, like the, the next year, they're 10-2, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and oh, man, we spent a whole year moaning. Oh, they could have had another year of Alex Smith. Can you believe this? We didn't know he was going to go 12-0 and and then take off. Yeah, but I actually think the Brandon Doman thing was right there, too. They played him at a receiver yeah. a couple of games, and then they, they didn't have a quarterback where they would have had a quarterback. Right, but that, that was next. something. We talked about that, and that was something. You're right. I know, but I'm talking about the fact that they didn't use they didn't use him mm-hmm. at quarterback. So I, I know I think the Hayward thing is bigger than this because this team was on the precipice, on the cusp, <laughs> if you will, of a childhood dream, and they were about to just explode on the scene as a playoff team. And they had not been in the playoffs for how many years now? Whatever it was at the time, four or five. I can't and as a third guy, complimentary player, he could have been great. Yeah, but we thought he was a, he was an all-star that year. I know. And he was a franchise player, man. Mm-hmm. They were offered in the max. Man. You had two the, the the one guy who's going to save us now thought he was a franchise player. Yep. And that's Ainge. They thought he was a franchise player. They offered him the max, 30 plus million to be the franchise player for Boston. Boston, which has only had about 50 franchise players. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, the legendary franchise that is the Boston Celtics, and he was going to be the next Bird, Havlicek, Cowens, uh, you name List it. List them all. Keep going. The Jones brothers, Bill Russell, blah, 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 blah. Right? And they thought it. And so it was like, oh, we are done. We got a taste of it. We yep. get, finally get an all-star. We win a playoff series. And then he leaves. We had a young Paul Pierce. There's what no way us? we're ever going to be able to recover. Uh, until the draft, which already happened. Well, the draft <laughs> was the week before. I know. <laughs> little, little did we all know. That's just incredible. Now, I think the the Gordon Hayward thing is the biggest much to do about nothing 
I think we made it a big... Scotty and Hans came in on July 4th and worked that day. I don't know that anybody came in that Saturday night when Alex Smith burned his red shirt, because I don't even remember what game he burned his red shirt. At San Diego State. It was of course, that's why I, was, I knew... parents I, there. I knew it was a big deal to you, and that's why it was a big deal to you, because it was San Diego State. Yeah. I think that's that, – now we know why you think, and I get it, because it was your team and you thought it was your your city, blah, blah, blah. But nobody was coming in that night to have a special report. Those guys came in on July 4th and had a special show. Now. No. You're an Instapol like you used to do. What this else thing we got? Here, this what else Hayward is, thing. What else is the on the list? Thing. Other stuff we hyped up that turned out not to mean a thing. Other stuff on the list. Uh, maybe Gary Anderson going back to Utah State. Second time. Certainly all these quarterbacks coming in, but I've learned we have no idea how these guys are going to pan out. If they pan out at all. So Take off before they pan out. Before, yeah. Before, they, can't, they never step into the frying pan. They're gone too early. Yeah. Especially now. I mean, they don't even get a snap, and they're gone. Utah's had two of them. Right. At least Jay Keeps uh, played some games. You know, two yeah. Utes didn't. Won a bowl game. And Olsen never took a snap either. Nah, that's for, another good one, yeah. For BYU. Uh, although, as I look at that, that was more circumstantial than him taking off. Mm-hmm. You know, because he came in, he committed when they were flying high, then he comes in and he gets a look inside the program. You're starting. You're playing. No, you're not. Yes, you are. What does the butcher say on <laughs> Thursday? I mean, these are all things. Now, that's not what, me talking. What does the butcher say? I, I literally had that. I by someone who had been there for years and years said, tell me we make up a game plan, but we never know what it's going to be because if he goes to the butcher on Thursday and the butcher says, hey, I think you should run this play uh, on Friday. We're running that play. <laughs> 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 That's not even the best quote you got, though. It's not. It's no. a good one, but, you know, walking off the field of the Coliseum, if only we ran the plays we practiced. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Literally yeah, drew a play up in the dirt, turned it into a pick six, and barely lost to a loaded USC team. Not the USC team that they beat this year. You know, interim coach, playing out the string, last game of the year. Oh, no, no, that was, no, that was a loaded USC team, and that yeah. was a close game. It's funny, uh, but I've had over the years on the field walking off a number of things said to me. Because the emotions are still up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And See, they all the they... cameras are on Tom Brady, so when he tells a coach on the other sideline to go bleep yourself, which he did last night, it's blown up on the internet today because he's Tom Brady. And then you yeah. ask the guy, like, well, it's football. I think everybody who's in the middle of it knows emotions run high. If I see this dude at a golf tournament in the offseason, we'll have some laughs. But, you know, you're getting shut out and you're losing a game you think you ought to win. And so you're getting people after they lose games they think they ought to win. That's why somebody told you once, put down the headphones. If you're not going to listen to me, I'm not going to talk to you. That's another really good line. That's a very good line. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've had a number of things that I could never work into a story, but I can work into a conversation after the fact, years after the fact, and I'm not going to give them up, but I've had stuff said to me. I mean, I've had I had stuff said to me. Now this was a this was a positive, but stuff uh from the uh, Vegas thing the other night, a couple of weeks back when they when they won the Pac-12 thing. 
as you're you're on that field and I've been around so long and guys know who I am they tell me stuff like that and you're right it's it's so it doesn't always have to be negative it could be in the heat of the moment negative and a lot of times it is but those are things that you know you looked at Ben Olsen and then he goes on a mission he comes back and they just promoted a defensive coordinator I get why Ben said yeah this is not in my best interest to stay so he's the exception the other ones uh, they didn't pan out. And I, and I actually think Ben would have panned out, but he had a ton of injuries that got in the way of him being able to pan out, going back to our Jaron, Jaron Hall conversation, too. Yeah. You know, how much are these injuries going to get in the way of him being a really good quarterback? Uh, I, I think they win that bowl game the other day if he's playing, but you know he wasn't playing, so what are you going to do there? He just wasn't healthy enough to go, obviously. No offense to Romney, he's a capable backup, but there's a reason why Hall's the starter. So a lot of things that we get caught up in the moment. And I, th- I, think, I think most of our listeners have learned that recruiting is super important, but don't go nuts on it if you get player XYZ, especially a quarterback. I think they've learned. I think they've matured to know. And then also, too, with Kyle, if his class is ranked 57th, don't, so oh my gosh. What? I know. I so know. what? Yeah. The class rankings are the worst. They just drive me nuts. <laughs> it's, because the to an extent, is, though. Nobody but if you ever. Look, no, yeah, but if you look at all the top teams, they're always in a top 10. Okay, but chicken and the egg. Alabama's a top team, so they just rank that class one, two, or three every year. Not necessarily, because then you look three years later, and those guys are going to the NFL. I get right, your point. Right, they don't. If know you get a scholarship offer, or you get a scholarship offer from Alabama. Wow, you must be really good. Well, you must be because Nick isn't missing very often. Yeah, but not necessarily. Was that local kid from Conwood went over there to play quarterback and hey, didn't? They bring in they bring in more guys than they can play, so there are always guys who don't work out and don't tra- and don't fit. He doesn't even Nick doesn't bat a hundred percent, but on the group, he does really well. But especially a quarterback where everybody didn't get a chance to play. Guys especially have to quote a quarterback. Unquote, You're yeah. absolutely 100% They correct have to wash out. I, yeah, it's just the nature of the biz. I get that, that uh, only one guy is going to play. But I, other positions, too. But at the same time, with Utah, recruiting rankings. In fact, I, I hope they're ranked in the 50s because it makes it that much sweeter as he does his thing year after year. I, we, we didn't know it at the time. But shouldn't we have held a party when Tavion Thomas decided to come to Utah? <laughs> yes. But see, the thing with these recruiting classes that never gets, never really gets factored in is how do they fit together? Like, you can get a lot of good players, and the next year you get a lot more good players. But if you don't get any good pass rushers and you don't get a good quarterback, you don't have a good team. I had a lot of talent, but you don't know how to coach him up. Yeah, if you don't have quarterbacks and pass rushers, there's an argument that those are the two most important things on a team. The quarterback, because he touches the ball all the time, and a pass rusher because they're the people most likely to make the quarterback ineffective. Well, what you do is you get a quarterback and you turn him into a pass rusher, Paul Kruger. (laughs) That's a good plan. (laughs) See how that worked out? Youth won a lot of games on that plan. And if I'm a Utah player and he, Whittingham, tells me, hey, we're going to move you to defense, I hold a party then myself. I say, yes, I'm going to be rich. To the NFL. Because if he moves you to defense, you're probably going to play in the NFL. There's only been 500 examples of those. All right, coming up. 
Got a lot of feedback to the Jazz. People have uh, very specific theories on what is wrong with the Jazz. And uh, some of them are funny, and some of them are spot on. We will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Really? We got a Logan Bonner injury? No, this has got to be game planned for the bowl game. Got to be. So Cooper Lega gets the snap, fakes the handoff, wanting to throw. He's throwing deep to DT, and DT has it to the 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Utah State. Cooper Lega, welcome to the game. Welcome to the end zone. There's your Chevy Strong play of the game right there. Know it today, 450 during Unrivaled, and you can win fabulous prizes. All right, we got a lot of feedback rolling in. What is wrong with the Jazz? Back-to-back home losses. They are 10-6 and at home this year. They have lost to the 12th and 14th place teams in the West and the 13th place team in the East at home. I'm not even talking about the loss to the Magic on the road. What is wrong? (laughs) The Jazz have lost every game I've watched this year. It's my fault. David Lundberg taking one for the team. And J-Dog says, same. I'm not watching anymore. There it is. Problem Come solved. On. You've only watched those games? I can't <laughs> believe that. Uh, I've watched nine games this year, and I'm on nine. No. Uh, so there's some more serious answers in here. Uh, some are still being funny. Uh, who can figure out the jazz? And the trude at Jim Bentrude says, well, the bad teams. <laughs> They're the ones beating them. They got them figured out. D Drama says third best record in the NBA. Best point differential. Best record in the NBA last 10 games. Maybe nothing to figure out except it's hard to win in this league. What are your expectations? Uh, my expectations are to beat New Orleans at home. My expectations are to beat the Spurs at home. That's crazy. Other people's expectations are to win the championship. Anything that doesn't look like a championship team is going to bug them. Well, in, in some losses, you haven't looked like a championship team. I get it. In some wins, uh, you have. I mean, you win eight in a row. That catches my eye. Because I, I, I do think that's, that's where I said a couple segments ago, I'm sort of in a little bit of a gray area on that. Because I do think that you have to step back. You can't always be in the literal moment because if you are in the moment all the time, you're probably going to burn out because there's so many games. And I, and, and just, I don't know what Quinn Snyder, what is in his mind and what's in his heart. But when I listen to him speak after the game, which is virtually every game, I, I don't think that he's caught up in the moment he's in the moment while maintaining a broader view he's, he has the ability to do both he that's true he's very jerry sloan he's irritated with the team after they win because you can coach guys hard after they win and he's supportive after they lose and it, i don't know what's going to happen when they play january fill in the blank date but you can take that stuff to the bank they lose back to back games and while he acknowledged a bunch of the flaws he said remember this is still the team that won eight in a row Now, during the eight in a row, he was on him about execution, about some decision-making. There were games where they gave up too many transition points, too many offensive rebounds, and they still won. So he brought up the lack of rebounding and other stuff, you know, transition points, whatever it was. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, 
But at the same time, it's really hard to win a ton of games in a row in this league. And I know they've lost two in a row. I really agree with you what you said earlier. If they would be 9-1 and one and that one was out without Conley and Beal goes for 37, you sort of tip your cap and say, yeah, okay, that's life in the NBA. I can live with it. But the Spurs loss is one of those things that does get into your skin. 8-2 eight and, t- eight and two in a 10-game stretch is still very good. And they've got plenty of time to, to go, uh, what, uh, if they win five in a row, that's not that big of a deal. So, you know, winning, uh, what would that be, uh, 13? out of 15 would still be very yeah. impressive too. And, and let's face it, here's the thing that's really bugging people is that it's a weird year where we should be looking like, where are the teams that are playing B-plus basketball? we got a couple teams running away at the top and maybe the Jazz and the Nets playing that B-plus and then both leagues. This is really weird. By the time you get down to the fourth, fifth place teams in the conferences, fifth, sixth teams, they're 500. They are just flat out mediocre 30 games into the season. There is no, I mean, the, the Wizards, just the most recent example, they are 16 and 15. That just screams mediocrity, right? The Lakers and Clippers have been holding down the fifth and sixth spots, and it's just really mediocre. Now, they've had injuries, so you understand why they're mediocre, but still, nonetheless, mediocre. So the Jazz haven't played the Sons of the Warriors, so there's no measuring stick against the elite in the league. If your point is true and the Jazz win their next five games, are we five games away from that Warrior game? Did you just give them a win over the Warriors on New Year's night? I did not. I just put that number out there. Right. But if they won, if they win on a winning streak now and beat the Warriors on New Year's night, people will be on fire, and everything that we're saying on December 20th is a massive overreaction. <laughs> oh, man. New Year's night, then? That would be most awesome. We got beating the best team Utah's ever faced in Ohio State, ever. The best team they've ever faced, and they beat them. And then the Jazz beat the Warriors. I want to do Sports Talk Radio on that Monday. <laughs> well, good news, PK. <laughs> you will be. I, I don't know if I'm alive on Sunday, but... Uh, we'll oh, there it is! There. Niners draft, always a useful <laughs> expression. Always go back to the Niners draft. And file this away. It's not for the topic now, but I believe that this Ohio State team is the best team that this, the program of Utah has ever played. File it away. We don't have to hit that now, but I've been thinking about this as I've been checking out Ohio State. Uh, but as far as the Jazz... Um, just go win the next three or four. You know, maybe five is is out. But put together when we're over a 20-game stretch, try not to have more than six losses. And if that's the case, if you're 14-6, and six, I'm okay with it. Well, that's almost a 60-win pace right there. Yeah, I don't so do that. You, you love you'll probably be third in the East. Or third in the West, sorry. Third in the East. Hello. Monday morning. <laughs> I don't even know what side of the country we're on. Yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier. It looks like that uh, those other two teams above you aren't backing up. So third might be the position, which uh, if that's what it is, so be it. You know, so I'm not sure who I'd rather play in that second round, Phoenix or the Warriors. I haven't made that determination. Let's get past the trade deadline for a number of reasons. I think Clay Thompson will be back by then. I heard they were look they were targeting January uh, and see how and then then give him a number of games to see how everything meshes together because you just don't add him to the piece and away you go. Somebody's got to take a lesser role and they've got to figure stuff out. It's been a while since he's been in the lineup, obviously. So give him some time in Phoenix. Uh, boy, if they continue, um, I may not want to face them. I don't know. And then 
what's old Tra- Trader Danny going to do? You know, what does he want to, and uses his influence to get done? Uh, because my guess is there's going to be, what, two or three moves in the West that are going to be, all right, that, that's pretty impressive. Let's see how it goes. And maybe the Jazz are one of those teams. You know, because if Ainge is sitting there watching these games now from an an employee standpoint, it's probably different than he's talked about how he watched all the games, and I suppose he probably knew he was. He going knew. To be, yeah. Okay. So you're 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 right about that. So maybe he was watching them not just from a stand, fan standpoint, but from an analytical standpoint, from a professional standpoint. Uh, but in, does he get involved in some moves there? Potentially, because I think the one thing we can say is I don't think Ryan Smith is just going to take the safe way. I think he's looking to be bold if it's the right move. And now he's got some professionals there who will advise him uh, that this is the right move. It's bold, but it's the right move. And I think he signs off on if the people that he employs and his advisors in basketball from the basketball standpoint tell him make uh, move ABC. I think he does it. DJ and PK, we can get to that next, and we'll do it with Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, brought to you in part by LHM Chrysler. Join Hans and Scotty Wednesday at LHM Riverdale from noon to 3, 1481 West Riverdale Road in Riverdale. Steve Cleveland, coming up next. Steve Cleveland's weekly interview with DJ and PK is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, PK uh, just threw something out. And I be- and he and I have not talked about it, but I believe this 100%. But I believe you have spent more time with the two people in question. And I think you're going to endorse what we believe. But it will mean more coming from you because we're viewing from a distance and you know them better. But I believe the jazz owner, Ryan Smith, just hired a guy he's uh, friends with, Danny Ainge, and I believe they both like to roll the dice more than jazz management has liked to roll the dice for decades. And I think that, um, and I think this isn't a surprise if you're in the tech industry. We've all heard the phrase creative disruption. And even though uh, Ryan Smith unloaded the radio station pretty quickly, the little bit of time that he owned the team and owned the radio station, we heard from our managers, be inventive. Try something different. Don't stick with the status quo. If you don't make a mistake, you're not trying and coming up with new ideas. I think they're going to be more aggressive in player movement than ever before. Now, that doesn't mean they're crazy, and that doesn't mean they're looking to turn the roster upside down tomorrow or at the trade deadline. But when we look back over two or three years, we're going to say, wow, the Jazz are much more aggressive in player moves. Do you believe that based on your relationship with these two people? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I, I think they're, you look at both of them and their success and, and, and I'm, you know, I know Ryan and I, I think my grandchildren and, and his children, uh, I've had a son move back up there. So they, th- there's a relationship there and I've met Ryan a few times and, uh, but you just look at his life and what he's done and, 
the aggressiveness and just the intelligence and just the, being able to kind of, for me, they're, bo- they're both kind of visionary people, but Ryan specifically is someone that from a very young age had a vision about stuff, but he's just, he's got an incredible mind. And I think that Danny is a guy that's always thinking outside of the box. And, and, and both of them are so confident, so successful, very people oriented and developing really connections and relationships are important to them. And when you look at what's happened throughout the state of Utah, especially the impact that Ryan Smith has had, uh, I don't think any of us five or 10 years ago are thinking that, you know, this would be the guy that would own the jazz and run the jazz. But and I have complete confidence in this guy to, to, to do things that are different that have been done uh, to really take the jazz to another level. And listen, they've been really successful, but they, you know, I think these guys want to win championships, and they're, and they're not that far away. So uh, making deals and bringing guys in uh, is going to be something that I could see them doing you know, very quickly. Uh, we got, I don't know, when, when is the trade deadline here coming up? I mean, it, it's oh, coming got, up pretty soon. Yeah, they got and, a few weeks, though. So. They got a few weeks, and, you know, there's, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 people in that group. That, I don't know if they're going to make any immediate moves, but down the road, I can see them really uh, – their, uh, their, their impact on, on this program is significant, especially with Danny coming in with all the experience he has and the understanding of the game. Um, I, I read the articles that you know, indicated that it just kind of caught Danny off guard. I think we all just assumed that Danny would be there, but I'm not sure that was true. And uh, so – yeah, I, I I would agree with you. I, I think they're going to have an impact immediately. Just all of that experience as a player, as an owners, as uh, general managers. I mean, Danny's had about every job except ownership in a in a in an NBA franchise. So uh, he sees this thing with a different set of lenses than than most people do. So no, it's it's going to be good. I think it's nothing but good for Utah for the Jazz uh, and. Make, making them, take, getting them to the next step where they're winning. I mean, they, they got to win a championship. That's what they're there for. That's what they want. I'm sure that's their goal is to win an NBA championship. And, and they're close. They're close, but I don't, I, I don't necessarily think right now that it's, it's where it's going to end up being in terms of personnel. Bold moves always fascinate me. You know, I think that it was a bold move to hire you from the junior colleges, and you talked about it a million times over, this no-name dude out of Fresno, and, you know, and it had the monumental job you had to do, and it proved to be successful. You got to the tournament in four years, and you brought Rose aboard, and Rose bought Pope, so your influence is still felt all these years later. But bold moves always just intrigue me, and this doesn't really make sense, but I'm going to say it anyway. How careful do you have to be when you make a bold move? Typically, you make bold moves when maybe things that have not been working and you want to take a chance. I mean, when I think of that, that first thing that comes to my mind is maybe we need to look at this with a different set of lenses. We Maybe let's take a different perspective on this. This is what we've been doing for a long time. And even though there's a lot of good, it's not where we want to be and we want to get to the next step. I mean, I, I think when you, 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 people usually are pretty bold, at least we look at them from the outside inside and go, oh, that was taking, you know, that's taking a chance. I you know, wonder how that's going to work out. And, uh, but I also believe that people that make bold moves, and in the case of Ryan and, 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 and Coach, that they, they have so much experience 
and in in business, in the game, and with people that uh, I, I think they have the confidence in themselves that yes, I think these are two two good men who could be bold and they're not afraid and fearful of uh, uh, of the challenges that lie ahead. I mean, I, I think that's why Ryan Smith got to where he is and is successfully in business. And I think Danny Ainge from from being a player. Uh, all the things he was involved in. I mean, it's bold for Danny Ainge to be playing baseball when he was playing basketball. And, and then, as, as obviously, as, as a coach, uh, and then running an organization with Boston for years, uh, these are two men that aren't afraid to make a decision. And, uh, and, I, I, and they'll, they'll be sound decisions, but I think to some they will seem bold. And really, when you think about the Jazz, they've not been a – an organization that's made a lot of really big-time bold moves. They've had great coaching, and they've got they've done a nice job with the draft. And, and right now, have a real, you know have one of the top three or four teams in the NBA. But knowing Ryan Smith and knowing how competitive Danny Ainge is, you know there, there's one thing they're looking at doing here: and then making bold moves to win an NBA championship. How's that going to happen? How's that going to work? Uh, I know Dan. I don't. I'm not a you know. I obviously I know Danny because I coached his son and and we've had conversations and been around each other. But the one thing I've known and respected about him from the outside, he's always thinking, he's always tinkering, he's always considering the next step. And and I got to believe that Ryan Smith, the empire that he built financially for himself and his companies, he's done the same thing. So you've got two really bright minds that are good friends that both have passion for golf and for basketball and those kinds of things so they have a lot in common and uh, it makes sense that they're going to do it together so we have a guy named steven tweeting at us and i wonder how much truth you think to uh his theory here is we're talking about what's wrong with the jazz they lost twice this weekend the spurs at home were one of the you know, worst teams in the West, and then the Wizards, who are kind of a mediocre team in the East. Steven says, having Ainge in the front office has the players on edge and screwing with the team, hence two straight losses. I wish he wasn't with the Jazz. Now, I don't think you'll go with, I wish he wasn't with the Jazz, but I'm curious what you think about Ainge in the front office has the players on edge and screwing with the team's mentality. How much do you buy into that, and how much is that just an excuse? Uh, Yeah, I I, I don't buy into that. I, I, I mean... I think that anytime you lose to two teams that you absolutely should beat at home, there are going to be a lot of question marks. And, and, and those were you know, two bad losses. And uh, and, and certainly uh, not, not not to take anything away. The one thing right now, and I, 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 I didn't see those games, and specifically I read about them, I saw highlights and things, but – there's so many issues right now in this league dealing with protocol and injuries. You never know who's playing. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll sit there and get online and, and watch games. And, you know, you, you, there are more people playing in the NBA right now that I've never heard of that you're going, well, now, where'd this guy come from? You know, and all of a sudden some guy goes for 27 and, and you're going, hey, he, he hasn't played in like two years, you know. I mean, right now, I, I think the thing that's impacting the being entire league is, is, is the protocols again. And, and, and I, I, don't, I think it's going to get worse. And I think the injuries are going to go. So I, I think there's more of those kind of issues impacting the entire league where they're so inconsistent and you never know who's going to play and who's on the team and what's going to go on and managing that. I mean, we've got coaches in, the, in protocol. We've got players in protocol. 
and it, it's just a it's a revolving door every every day. It's a different team, and that's going to lend itself to upsets. It's going to lend itself to teams not playing with great chemistry and and just fledgling around. And but typically, you would think through all that, at least if you're at home, if you're at home, you know that that puts you in a position. Those two games they shouldn't have lost. There's just no way. And, and you know, and whether it's you know defensively, uh, you know there were some challenges, but with Danny and Ryan going back to them and their leadership, um, these, these are guys that have had so much experience and so much understanding with people and organizations that you know I I feel absolutely confident that they're going to take this to another level. I don't know what it's going to look like and how it's going to happen. But I'm convinced the passion they have to, as successful businessmen, successful athletes, successful people all around throughout their lives, that they're not afraid. They're not afraid to take a chance and do certain things. And I, usually fear comes from a lack of understanding. You know, I, you know I'm not sure what we're going to do here, what we're going to do there. I think with Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge, you've got a combination of two guys that have so much experience, so much understanding. There won't be a great deal of fear. Not every decision is going to be perfect. Not every decision is going to work. But uh, they're going to think outside the box, unlike probably many people in, 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 the, in the NBA. Late game situations, last possession, that type of thing. The ball's been in Mitchell's hands. There's been a couple times where it hasn't gone like they've wanted. The other night against the Spurs, uh, he had had uh, a little bit of a situation. He's dribbling the ball, and he's trying to get to the basket. And it seems like his head is down in terms of, I'm going to get to the basket. And he ends up doing like a scoop. And it does, man, it just seemed like it sat on the rim for for 10 seconds, and it didn't roll in. It rolled off. Uh, he's your best player, obviously, offensively in particular, and he's very dynamic. How do you coach getting the ball into your best player's hands, but him also understanding that he's got four guys out there, so it doesn't necessarily need to be him shooting, but at the same time, you don't want to discourage him. You want him to keep his confidence up. It seems like it's somewhat of a del- delicate balance there. You know, it, it is. And, and, and I'm, you know, whether you're a high school coach or a junior college coach or Division One coach or the NBA, I mean, you, 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 you come into every game knowing that certain scenarios that you're prepared for, like, you know, you're down one, you're down two, you're down three, you know, whatever the circumstances are. And, you know, you talk through those things. I mean, that, that those are things that are talked about in practice early on. And that these, here's our late game plays. Here's our late game sets. We're going to try to get the ball. But one, one thing that I, I know that I did as a coach is that I had five or six out-of-bounds plays or sideline, baseline uh, or, you know, 30 seconds left in the game, 20 seconds, 10 You know, you have all of that set up. That That has been practiced. It's, it's been orchestrated in practice. It's, it's kind of like, well, hey, we're just going to give him the ball. He's going to go, no, this is what we're going to do. This is where we need to be. Now, that being said, I think there's a lot of, uh, just through the public's eye and through media scrutiny, that, you know, if the wrong guy shoots the ball, and misses, it's on the coach because why in the world would he have him taking that shot when you've got you know Donovan Mitchell over here who can do this, you know? And so you you kind of you kind of protect yourself in in a, in a way in the sense that I always did it this way. I mean, I tried to, I absolutely tried to make sure that 
I got the ball in the hands of the guy that was hot, the guy that was could get me to the free throw line to run a ISO or a set where we could get to the free throw line if we were down one or whatever we were, or if we're down three, we got to have a three. So, you know, you have all those things prepared. But I think one of the things you always say coming out of the timeout, especially to, to the guys taking the shot, listen, man, you can do this. I said, if you get double, you get double, fine, find somebody there, you know. And I always allowed them to, in their mind, know that, hey, I have full confidence in you, but if they come out and you with two or three people, here, what are we going to do if we get doubled? And you have to practice that. You have to practice that. If you don't practice late-game situations, most of the time that they take place, you know, it, it's just the luck of the draw. A guy hits a fadeaway 17-footer and goes in, well, what a great play, you know. Well, no, we got lucky there. So I, I think for anybody that's in coaching at any level, has to have late-game situations. they got to have them covered from every spot on the floor, and every day you take 10 minutes on late-game situations, down two, 20 seconds, down one, or three seconds. You know, and, and you do that defensively as well. You know, because a lot of times uh, it, it's a pretty popular thing. If you're up, you know, you're, you've got a situation where you foul and take, get them to the free-throw line. I've seen every play that's a, to, that worked for me, and I've seen sometimes things are backfired. You know, you fouled early, and all of a sudden, you know, they make a shot, they miss it, they get the rebound, a guy hits a three, and you lose the game. But I do, I do believe that th- this situation in the NBA, you know, you're, you, you've always got one or two guys that can go make a play. But there's so much prep that goes into that in practice that it's not like, hey, I'm going to drop a new play. That, that, that seldom happens. Like, I'm going to drop a new play here in 30 seconds to give the guys that they've never run. That's not happening. I mean, I, I think sometimes the media, I think fans give them credit, oh, man, you do a great – they've probably been practicing that play for two months. And with that specific guy, Donovan Mitchell, shooting the ball. Uh, but things happen, and, and good coaches can defend late-game things. And I always made sure that – Listen, you do not you do not have to shoot this thing with two people and give it up. Find the open man. I mean, the, the primary thing is going there. You can do this. You can finish it. Knock it down. And, and you're always if he misses it, he misses it. You know, you, you just got to walk away and say, hey, I had the hands of my best player. Or, hey, I had the hands of my best player. They, they doubled him. He couldn't get it off. And he kicked it out to Conley, who's a great three-point shooting guard, and he missed it. You've done what you've done. You're disappointed. You kind of pass the media test and the fan test, and you say, hey, we had a good play run. That's where we were. Now, you know, you can go back to why were we behind in that situation, <laughs> and that's a whole other narrative and conversation. Man, why were we down anyway? We're playing two teams that are pretty average at home, uh, and, uh, and well, we, we didn't guard. We didn't guard defensively. I mean, the reason they, the, the reason they lost to uh, – to both those teams, it's just defensively they weren't as good as they needed to be throughout the game, not just late. Totally agree with that. 36 points in the first quarter to the Spurs and 41 in the third. I mean, good yeah. grief. That can't happen. <laughs> no, it can't happen. And again, uh, you guys were really close to it, but it didn't seem like they were down a lot of bodies and, and you're playing at home, you're sleeping in your own bed. Uh you, you, you go through that. I mean, it's a grind. I can't even imagine playing 80-some games and, and uh, do what they do. But they travel well. They, you know, it's, it's not that difficult. But I do believe, I'll go back to what I said before, I think we're going to see more upsets and more of this, it, it, you know, just because of all of the COVID protocols, all of the injuries that are happening, just 
all of the nonsense that seems to be impacting the league. So, I, I mean, it's it's really, really obvious that Phoenix Suns and Golden State Warriors uh, are really, really good. And Golden State probably going to get a little bit better when, when Clay comes back. And we know that Utah's been really, really good. They've got 20 wins. But 80% of this league is hovering around 500. <laughs> you know, a few games over, a few games under. Uh, and I and I do believe that oh, there's parity in the league. That's fine. But I just not having the same team day in and day out uh, really uh, it, it hurts. It, it, it's a challenge. And so the teams that can stay healthy and deal with protocol and uh, and keep their guys. And Utah's been able to do that pretty much. But uh, I mean, I, I think that uh, they've got three games here coming up that are all very very winnable games. And uh, but again, you can't take the Hornets for granted. I mean, you know, Hayward comes in here, you know, and drops forty because he's back in Utah, and Lamelo Bell and Rozier, and Bridges. I mean, those are all good players. And if you don't come to play, the Hornets can beat you at home. T Wolves won four in a row. <laughs> you know, and and not you know they beat Portland and Denver and Lakers and the Mavs. I mean, none of those teams are playing great, but they've won four in a row. And, and I'm not sure if Luke is playing for the Mavs, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, th- those are three really winnable games. So uh, hopefully they'll get turned around this week and have a great week and, you know, all of a sudden be 23-9 and nine and, and, uh, and right there where they want to be. But we'll see. Uh, you just never know. You never know. But it seems like uh, Conley's healthy now, right? He's playing better and back and uh, – I don't follow it as close as you guys do, but it seems like they're at pretty full strength. So there's real no excuse to to go through this homestand and, and just kind of fall flat on your face. Uh, these are three winnable games at home, and and and, and, none, and none of those teams are great defensively, and so they, they should, scoring should not be a problem. Throw a basketball question at you: If you're Mark Pope, you lose your two big guys. How do you not feel sorry for yourself? Uh, it's impossible. Of course you do. <laughs> I mean, you know, Mark, he's the, uh, he, he's so positive about everything. And, uh, you know, he, he's got those two bigs. That, that hurts. And, and with Loner and L.A.T.E. and Troyori, I'm not sure he pronounces George. You've got four guys that are all undersized that are strong and athletic. But it, it, it'll catch up to them. I, the one thing that BYU does have is, is they've got – They've got guys that can shoot it in the perimeter. And, and, and as long as they continue, you know, whether it's Marcello or, you know, Spencer Johnson or Nell, and even the Knight, the Knight kid who's new to the program, has, has hit the three ball. And, and so that keeps them in games uh, when they play undersized people. But over, over time, uh, it, it's made it more challenged for them, no question. And uh, like they're going to play – I guess they're in Hawaii playing in a tournament, and I think I looked at the. They're, they're all teams I think they can beat, uh, but when you're down numbers, and guys get hurt or guys get tired, it does it can't have an impact. But no, it's tough, tough because Barcelona, but Harward uh, is a guy that it takes up so much space, and I've watched him. I've been in Utah in the summer, and watched him in his workouts, and thought that he, he's just kind of a. A beast there, and uh, to not have and Baxter obviously losing Baxter hurts as well. But Harward had such a presence at the rim, and uh, it doesn't sound like either one of them were coming back. To be honest with you, so 
they'll they'll do what they got to do. But uh, BYU's got a nice they had a nice win at Weaver, and uh, I, and I watched Utah play by the way for the first time, and you know Coach Smith. I mean, I'd seen them at Utah State, but he he does a nice job, and uh, I, I know they don't have all the pieces yet. They're, they're, uh, Fresno State's going to come in and play them Tuesday. Uh, Justin Hudson, who's the coach at Fresno State, is is a good friend of mine. Um, he was at San Diego State a long time, and his dad was a high school coach here. But he's he's got a nice squad. They're nine and two. They're not real big, but they do have a kid, Orlando Robinson, who's about a seven footer that'll probably be drafted this year. But they really they're really they play hard. They're really athletic. They guard like the San Diego State teams did in the past, and and Justin was a part of that. I I don't know how they'll be at altitude and. They can make enough baskets, but that'll be a, that'll be a good test for Utah as well. Well, Steve, we appreciate the time as always. Have a merry Christmas, and we will talk to you again yeah, next you week. You guys too, man. Take care, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us right here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty, the Zone. DJ PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. It's the holidays, and people are going to spill stuff on your carpet. It's just how it's going to go. And if you're prepping for the holidays, Zero Res can help clean up before and after the festivities, keeping your carpets clean well into 2022. Give Zero Res a jingle by calling 801-288-9376 or booking online at ZeroResSaltLake.com. Or if you're up north, it's ZeroResDavisWeber.com. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Danny Ainge has been named as the CEO of the Utah Jazz. Scotty, you called this going back into June, essentially. Obviously, Ryan Smith is an absolute brilliant mind. But I also think that in his mind, he's like, okay, I'm a brilliant mind in business. I want to be a brilliant mind in NBA management. In order to do that, let me get the most brilliant mind around next to me. This is going to sound like a criticism. Trust me when I say it is not because I respect the heck out of it. Danny Ainge is a cold-blooded killer when it comes to making moves necessary to try to win a championship. You look at the moves he made in Boston, when something has to be done, and it may not be popular for your fan base, but in your mind, it makes you better, he's going to pull the trigger on it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Have a... <laughs> that might have been worse than what you were doing right before. Oh you like, is there anything cooler than that? Is anything make more money than that? But when you really break it down, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he's Elvis. He's freaking he, Elvis. He's Elvis. Yes. <laughs> uh, I like that. Woo! Woo! This is a great tune. Uh, all right, it's time to bring you up to speed. If you're a little late to the show, you slackers, good morning. We're all jealous. We wish we got as much sleep as you did. It's brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special, or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Hey, between us, man, we got 16 hours of sleep. Now, I got, uh, got probably 12, 12 of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I went to bed at 9.30 last night. Wow. Look at you. You beat me. The game was over, and I went to bed. I just, uh, I'd had enough. I didn't... Uh, I was up early yesterday, never got a chance to take a nap, so I want to watch football and all that stuff with the NFL. So, yeah, I went to bed way early, much earlier than I normally do. 
So as long as you're watching all that NFL, the game that jumped out at you, I thought there were several interesting games. There are several teams on trajectories I find really interesting. A game I didn't watch, but it absolutely shocked me, was the Lions just handing it to the Arizona Cardinals. I watched that game. Yeah, it was pathetic. Uh, If I'm Arizona now, I'm about uh, maybe two quarters away from full panic mode. That far, huh? I would think the Lions. And I know the Lions are well, better after an 0-8 start. They're 2-3 and with one tie in the last six games. So they've gone yeah. from horrific to mediocre. Okay, but you've got to look at where the Cardinals are in the timeline. They're not the Packers here. They haven't made the playoffs since 2015. Mm-hmm. So if they get to the postseason, that's a resounding success. And maybe they snuck up on some folks earlier and that stuff is evening out. But I think if you look at them, they get to the postseason, which they still have a very good chance to do. Uh, but I think they got Indy Christmas night at home. you got to get that one to take the pressure off because I think they go Cowboys and Seattle at the end. Seattle, Seattle in Seattle. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, that's dangerous, obviously. So get the indie game, and I think you're okay there as far as the postseason. I mean, the Packers are not going to be content making the postseason, right? I mean, that's a different storyline for them. So I try to put it in perspective of what they're trying to do, and if they get to the postseason, that's really good. Packers, yeah, Packers, uh, it's about winning it all, certainly, and that was, the game against Baltimore was the most entertaining. I've got zero problem with Harbaugh going for two. I don't like. I didn't really like the play call to just slice the field down to about the third of it by running right like that. Uh, not sure I would do that. But, I mean, you're trying to win the game, so it's not like you're guaranteed to be winning it in overtime if you kick the extra point. So I'm perfectly comfortable with them going for two. So they've gone for two three weeks in a row, and they've, they've failed three weeks in a row, and they've lost by one, they've lost by two, and they've lost by one. And all those two-point conversions came in the fourth quarter. So they got a problem, and the analytics can say whatever the analytics say, but you're not good at two-point conversions. You're two for seven this year, right? I think it's the play call. I almost think to the point where in a two-point conversion, you've got to come up with something tricky. You know, you got to catch them off guard. Look at the famous two-point conversions that we've seen. The Boise against Oklahoma, right? You got them off guard there with that, what would you call it, Statue of Liberty or whatever it's called, Mm -hmm. and you hand the ball back to Ian Johnson. He runs it in, drops and proposes to Chrissy Popadix. The greatest proposal in all-time history of proposals. You know, I like what you did when you skydived in the honey's backyard and you dropped down. You didn't present the game ball. You had the, the ring right there, and, and it was July 4th, so the whole family was there, and they could all see it, and you had tipped off her parents. That was a great call by you by doing that. The fact I really that think- I had the grass in the backyard painted with the diamond ring as a bullseye <laughs> instead of dropping on the traditional target, that just upped the whole level. I mean, that was, yeah. it was just doubling down on my greatness. Yeah. And what you wore as you were skydiving, or what I should say, what you didn't have on, was really even more impressive. I mean, that was just incredible. So that was a memorable proposal. But that play, and then what, the the Super Bowl one to Nick Foles, I just don't know that you can just run a standard play. If you can, and I'm not a football play caller by any stretch. No one's confusing me with Norm Chow here. Uh, but it seems like it ought to be quick. If you drag it out, how many times does that work? You know what I mean? 
if you just something real a real quick hitter or some form of a trick play. But I like the premise of trying to win the game. I don't mind the rollout. Um, you can lose some of the field, but the NFL guy's arms are so strong, you don't necessarily. But it just seemed like when he rolled out, he was locked onto one receiver. That's it what I'm saying. It was the receiver everybody expected. Now, a lot of times, there's a guy running to the front corner, there's a guy running to the back corner, there's another guy uh, running along the back of the goal line underneath the goal posts. Uh, and so, and you have the option to run, which Hundley had run for the, he threw for the two but first sure. half touchdowns. He ran for the two. Right, but when quarters. he ran, he ran off his uh, his other side. Here, you're, you, well, he you the sliced middle. the yeah. field. Yeah, he did. Okay, but that's up the, oh, middle. Up the middle. That means you've got all sorts of options. Yeah. Here, you're sprinting to the other, to the right side. Everybody's flowing that way. I, I just, the, your window, you just shrunk it so small. Well, they got to look at their two-point play calls because when you're two for seven, all the analytics go out the window. You know, it's like saying, hey, you need to shoot more three-pointers. Well, okay. if, if you got a bunch of guys you can't shoot the three, you don't need to shoot more three-pointers. So the, the two for seven, this is a problem week after week after week. Yeah, unless it was two for seven and both of those times were to win games, then we'd be thinking it was great. They were, they were in the same game, and it did win them the game. It was an overtime game. And they needed both of them in the fourth quarter, I think, to get there. So it, they've won one game using the two, and they've lost four. Now, the thing that's overlooked, and you did bring this up earlier, if they kick the one, there's still 42 seconds. You may not even get to overtime because Rodgers could throw two or three passes and they kick a 50-yard field goal and win the game. And then you go to overtime, and it's still a coin flip. It can go either way. So it's not like if they just kicked the PAT, it was locked down. But – it's got to be killing these Raven fans. You know, you've lost three weeks in a row. And, I mean, losing the Packers is one thing because they look really good. But you also lost to the Steelers, and they look really average. Okay, but if you get into the playoffs in the AFC, who's the dominant team? Kansas City. It's the Chiefs again. And that's hard to believe, and it's maybe a little disappointing for people who are like, the Chiefs, I don't want to see them for a fourth straight are year in the dominant? AFC title game. I didn't say who's the best team. I said who's the dominant team. Because there's always got to be the best team. Yep. You all can suck, but there's still somebody who's the best <laughs> well, and the, suck. Well, the Chargers had them on the rope, so I guess you can say in that game they didn't dominate, but they got off to a terrible start. They were, uh, they were three and four, and now they've won seven in a row. So I think when you win seven in a row, you're dominating. But you're not winning seven in a row you know, by 20 points every week where you're just blowing teams off the field. So I guess that would be the little mark you could put in there and say, you're not dominating. You had to get off the deck to beat the Chargers in overtime. And I don't discount the Chiefs. I mean, Andy Reid has made a living out of getting to whatever conference final he's in. Isn't this going, if he gets there, this will be his fourth one in a row? Which will be like either 10 or 11 for his career. That's a lot of conference finals. And we're getting into Belichick territory here. I don't know that anybody's gone four years in a row, have they? To a conference final? Yeah, it was... Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, but since when, though? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know that. Uh, I mean, I assume Belichick has. I read somewhere that... Uh, I mean, he'd done it. I guess now the thing is, is who's a coach who's done it twice? Because Reed did it in Philly. Did he do it four or three? Conference Super Bowls? To go to the conference title game or to go to the Super Bowl? To go to the Super Bowl. Uh, going to three straight Super Bowls, that gets tricky because Belichick did three out of four. Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. You're, you're, yeah, you're th- in the to, – to go to the conference final to win the – to get in the Super Bowl. Okay. It's, 
<laughs> you run so the you two go there together. and then you win it. Okay. So to go to the Super Bowl, yeah, that's now the list gets way shorter. Yeah, that's what I mean. I didn't explain it well, but that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah, to go to three straight Super Bowls is extraordinarily rare. And I mean, Shulin did it with the Dolphins in the early 70s. You uh, give it up I, to Andy Reid. Yeah, this is, it's an awesome accomplishment. And honestly, going to four straight conference title games, whether you win them or lose them, is not done that often. And the people who've done it are all people, you know, the names roll off the tongue. They're all Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. And he should be too. Oh, yeah, I would think he's slam dunk. That's, he's, he's a no-brainer at this point. I mean, he's just piling it up. The, getting that Super Bowl win was the last box to check, but all the other longevity stuff, the, the 200 career wins and 100 wins with two different teams and um, been to multiple Super Bowls. Yeah. I mean, it's been I mean, three Super Bowls now. There aren't that many coaches who've coached in Just three think Super when Bowls. he's done with that, what he's going to do with the BYU program. <laughs> One day. <laughs> <laughs> the dream lives on. 87-year-old Andy Reid. <laughs> Recruiting 16-year-olds. Yeah, I'm going to be here all four years. You're going to go on a mission at Gray Shirt. I'm going to be here all seven. Him and Whittingham, two buds going up against each other. Two 95-year-old dudes. I know I said I was going to retire at 85. Five, Kyle said. <laughs> I ain't going till Andy goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. We talked a lot of NFL this morning. The uh, are there any other? Do, do we trust the Cowboys? Is the two seed in the NFC? Because I As don't. Two seed, yes. As I mean, two seed to go to the Super Bowl. No. Okay. You asked me as the two seed. Yeah. They could be the two. <laughs> they're there now. They can hold on. Their schedule's not that tough down the stretch. What do, you make Packers. Of, what do you make of the Saints defense owning Tom Brady? Absolutely awesome, but I mean it's an, it's a one game deal. Well, it's four. They beat him four times the regular season, and lost the playoff game. So he's one and four since he went to Tampa. Now he won the most important game. <laughs> I'm not picking the Saints if they should meet again. You'll pick the Bucks in the playoffs. I will. Yeah, but yeah, they they were awesome, man. They were just absolutely awesome. No doubt about it. And one of the reasons why I wouldn't necessarily pick them because I don't totally believe in the Saints' offense. Yeah. They just did what was necessary. Don't turn the ball over. Don't be Drew Locke and get the ball stripped. Drew! Drew, what are you doing for the Broncos? What are you doing? Now, he didn't score any touchdowns, but I thought under the circumstances that was Taysom Hill's best performance. He did what needed to be done to win. They got the field goals. They got the lead. You could see where it was going. At halftime, you knew they needed one more. You didn't feel comfortable like one play can beat you. But Evans went out with a hamstring injury. Then Godwin went out. Well, they were dropping black flies. Yeah, they Fournette were. Went out Fournette too. went yeah, out. I mean, basically, yeah. she was stripped of his playmakers. Yeah. You had Gronk, I'll give you that, but there nobody else really. Yeah. Doubleheader today, Raiders and Browns, 3 o'clock on the NFL Network. Uh, the Browns with a win moved to 8-6 and six and would be like one of five teams at 8-6 and six now. <laughs> it's just, but uh, who's this, Mullins going to start a quarterback? Yeah, so who knows, right? It goes back to what Steve Cleveland just said. Are the Niners fan? Via Condios, Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vikings and Bears in the traditional Monday Night Football game at 6.15 on ESPN. But we got Monday afternoon football. Hey, I love a 3 o'clock Monday football game. You know, the Tuesday games are going to start them both at the same time. i, I got to say, could you just offset them by an hour even? Give us a little bit of a break here. Come on. I agree with that. But no, yeah. more football, the better, man. I know, right? Two games on Tuesday. 
I just want games on, and then if I don't want to watch them, you move up. Like all these bowl games, I get, it bugs me that people say we got too many bowl games. Don't watch them then. You give a crap? You got too many bowl games. You want to watch it? Don't watch it. I want some of these bowl games. I got nothing else to do during the day. I want to watch them. The ratings for those two games on uh, ABC on Saturday were really good. A lot of people in this market watched the Cougar game, and a lot of people watched the Aggie game. So there were a lot of people soaking it up. And the rest of the country, they may have looked at those two games and shrugged, but a lot of people here enjoyed those games, that's for Who sure. Who cares, man? I never viewed my TV viewing, based, based, never based my TV viewing on, well, is this popular? What is somebody in Oshkosh doing? <laughs> I, wa- I watch what I watch. And a lot of people here watch these games. For BYU, not the exclamation point on the season everybody wanted. The back-to-back 11-win seasons escapes the Cougars. They settle for 10-3. and three. If I'm Kalani, I hold a Christmas Day practice. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> then you'd have to be there. <laughs> you don't do that. Not necessarily. I could delegate. <laughs> I told you earlier my big takeaway from this game. They need more depth when they go to the Big 12. Injuries were a problem. The defense was racked by the injuries. And the lack of depth showed as UAB was, was able to run the ball. And BYU ran the ball really well, too. Algier had a monster day. But, you know, the running backs and the O-lines matched monster games. And they had the lead at the end and ran out the clock. Well, plus on that fourth and seven, the touchdown pass, the dude was open, open by 20 wide feet. Wide open, yeah. Busted. Busted coverage. I was bugged. Of course, I'm a Cougar fan if you listen to a lot of the Utes on Twitter. Clearly. And then if you listen to the Cougars, you're a Ute fan and you hate the Cougars. So there you go. The uh, Aggies, that was impressive. Third-string quarterback, Pac-12 team, no problem. 11-win season, bookended by Pac-12 wins at Washington State in the opener and then Oregon State in the bowl game. How Blake Anderson at Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) I see what you did there. Very good. All right, DJ PK, that's some of what we've been talking about all morning long. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. It's official. The Utes are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the Utes to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Rose Bowl is right here on 9. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join Hans and Scotty Wednesday at LHM Riverdale from noon to 3, 1481 West Riverdale Road in Riverdale. All right, to the Andy Reid discussion, PK, he would be the fourth coach to go to three straight Super Bowls. Don Chula and the Dolphins in the early 70s, Marv leaving the Bills four in a row in the 90s, and then Belichick with the Patriots three in a row in 2017, 18, and 19. Beating the Falcons, losing to the Eagles, and then beating the Rams. So, that is a short list. It is time for your feedback now. And we've got a lot of people saying who can, or answering the question, who can figure out the Jazz? And Jim Steele says, well, everybody has the Jazz figured out. They have some good spurts during the regular season, and then they lose in the first or second round of the playoffs. There. He's got it figured out. That's before. That's not now. Lance says, games with ball movement, we do really well. Games without ball movement, the Wizards game, we do poorly. I saw 17 assists in that game. We've been getting in the high 20s in our wins. Find the open man, get the open shot, hustle on defense. If CP3 can do it, we can. 
Chris Man, Paul. It sounds so simple. Chris Paul and the Suns looking good. They are. Yeah, absolutely. Better than I thought. And they went to the finals last year. Right. And they just humiliated the uh, the Charlotte Hornets. You didn't have to see a lot of that game to see a big old dunk fest. It was just one dunk after another. Very dangerous team for sure. Who can figure out the Jazz? Eric says the Spurs and the Wizards can. That's comedy right there. Yeah. It's more about the Jazz, though, than the other teams. The Bogdana Grinch at Grouch Potato 20 says, it looks like the bottom half of the NBA has figured out the Jazz. It's where their losses are coming. Bottom half well, of the league. okay. Then the good thing is they won't play them in the playoffs. So right? Don't worry. This doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Neither does the Magic or the Pacers <laughs> right. or the Pelicans. Hey, I hope they play the Magic in the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the Magic got to get to number 10 and then make a miraculous run through the East. <laughs> it's a stretch. Yeah, it is. All right, then another topic we hit on here. Utes in Arizona at Utes Be Crazy, who uh, tweets at us uh, fairly regularly, uh, says... Patrick's sarcastic posts are pretty funny. And yes, over 20 years, most get it. But it's a bit of a sting for some fans on Twitter. He gets you, but he knows everybody doesn't. And you know, I think Ute and AZ makes a strong point here. Go ahead, and for the people who weren't with us earlier, you were recounting some of the tweets you sent out to to mess with people during the bowl games. So BYU gets down 14 to nothing, and I tweet out, oh, they don't want to be there. And then I get, oh, you always make excuses, fanboy. (laughs) (laughs) And those are from some Ute fans that are coming at me, thinking I'm making excuses for the Cougars for losing. Hey, come on. And then I tweet out, you know, another McBride beats them because that McBride sure looked good. I don't care who he plays for. That kid looked good. And I'm not caught up in names. I'm caught up in talent. And he ran hard. Pride. Yeah. He ran yeah, hard. He, and it wasn't just he ran hard. He's not some clunky back who'll get you the 68, maybe 12 yards on a really big run. He had the speed and broke a couple tackles on that 64-yarder, which, you know, if you're the Cougars, you got him pinned against the sideline. Don't tackle him. Shove him out of bounds. I mean, the sideline never misses a tackle. Shove him out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was just having fun. That's all it is for me. And Although I was bugged that the Cougars lost that game because I didn't anticipate it. Uh, not surprised that the Aggies won. Surprised that they won with a third-team quarterback. He got me there. But I, we know that the, the best of the Mountain West could compete with the middle of the Pac-12. And I think Oregon State, they are the definition of middle. Weren't they 6-7-6? Six, and, six? and I realize they beat the Utes. They got them in that one game. I got all that. But still, uh, that that didn't that didn't really surprise me. Third team quarterback, sure, yeah, because I didn't know what to expect with him. He sure looked good. Good for them. Good for Blake Anderson. Wow, this is this this season here for the Aggies with Blake Anderson has got to be one of the best coaching jobs in the history of our state in football. Well, there've been some really good coaching jobs. I mean, you got Lavelle Edwards, Hall of Famer, so he turned in a few good ones. Urban Meyer turned in two spectacular ones. But this is Urban-ish, right? Coming in off a losing season, low expectations, win the Mountain West. Urban went 10-2, and won the Liberty Bowl. And here you go 10-3 and and win the L.A. Bowl. Yeah, I'm telling you now, future coaching hires, uh, who can you bring with you in the transfer portal? Yes, 100%. And this isn't just a football thing either, because we just saw this with Utah basketball oh, no, not at all. and not at Utah all. State basketball. Yeah. Two new coaches, and they brought guys. 
Right, and and if they have, you know, they could potentially be immediately eligible in most cases. You got to factor that in. Now that's a short term deal, but still, you got to look towards that because you need to build momentum, and they got it going on there. Both. Both of those programs in Logan got it going on. So right now it looked like both coaches were good hires. That Wyoming loss for Utah State, and Wyoming ran for 362 yards. They had 240-yard backs in that game. And they did a spectacular job of, after that game, you thought San Diego State could have run the ball like Wyoming did, and they didn't. You thought Oregon State could have run the ball the way Wyoming did, and they didn't. You really got to give it up to that defense for tightening up the act after that Wyoming debacle. Well, same thing for Utah. They lose to Oregon State, and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Get beat by Oregon State, turn your season around. Get beat by Wyoming, turn your season around. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. We may have forgotten to give away the 930 tickets, PK. Jazz and well, in, the, tonight. in the 930 half hour, I think we were talking about. Yeah, good one. Well, we better go <laughs> quick then. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. We'll give away two tickets to see the Jazz play tonight and more tickets coming up at 1030 with Jake and Ben right here on The Zone.